You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get around. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. May 11th, ladies and gentlemen. I'm losing it tonight. I am losing it. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week, including... Our show, The Sports Loudmouths, which airs every Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m., which we are live and in color right now as the New Jersey Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes in the third period are tied 2-2. Two to two. Remember, you can check out all the shows throughout the week on the menu key, on the website, any one of our guests, and any one of the shows that you have missed that you want to hear all you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts. You can check out all the shows on Apple Podcasts that you've missed live. 1.5 million downloads. Check out all the shows with great content, great guests, and yes, crazy callers. Speedy, what's up? Well, uh, losing it is an accurate depiction of uh, my New York Mets pitching staff that is not doing very well right now. So I guess I could be losing it about that. They're not doing a very good job of uh, honoring my grandfather that is a huge New York Mets fan. Oh, well, just wait a second. Justin Verlander pitched very well the other day. Finally. <laughs> the one out of uh, ten games, we finally get confident starting pitching. <laughs> there you go, JV. I, I call him Justin Verlander. What, let's just call the Mets the JV team. I mean, they pretty much are. The, the JV team. It's no longer, what do they call themselves, the Amazings? We'll just call them the JVs. Yeah, that's an accurate depiction. The JVs. 631-672-3108 is the number to call for all the fans out there. Just so everybody knows, I have had a wonderful day. As, yes, a new family member is born into my wonderful family. Mm -hmm. My niece was born today. Uh, C-section from my sister, my little sister, Samantha. She is doing well. The baby is doing well. I'm very, very happy. It's been a good day for my family. Another family member now added to the Marks family. So I'm very excited about that. Looking forward to meeting her for the first time. My birthday party is on Saturday at Buckley's in Cinema Riches. But very, very happy. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And probably sometime next week I'm going to visit the baby. But uh, I'm happy my sister's doing well. She lost a lot of blood. Very low in iron. So uh, uh, my niece texted me today, sent me pictures of the baby. So I'm very excited that everybody is healthy and uh uh, moving forward, my sister will be coming home hopefully very, very soon. At 10 o'clock, we will be talking to former Packers, Bills, and Buccaneers defensive linemen, our friend. Yes, you know who this is, Speedy, don't you? 
Yes, Mr. Jarrell Worthy. Mr. Jarrell Worthy. And he knows Aaron Rodgers very, very well. He's told us quite a few stories about Aaron, and I'm sure he has more stories to tell us how, how now he might be a Jet fan, as Aaron Rodgers is the starting quarterback to the New York Jets. 10.30, we'll be talking to Duke national champion guard Andre Dawkins. And I, I'm... I'm very excited about this. I am a Duke Blue Devil fan. I know there's a lot of Duke haters out there, but I remember in 2010, Mr. Dawkins was a big part of the backcourt of the Duke Blue Devils, so I'm excited to have Andre on the show, uh, seeing and looking forward to hearing what he has been doing ever since that national championship, and... Uh, yeah, uh, what he's doing, you know, outside of basketball. So I'm looking. And I'm sure you'll be wondering his thoughts about uh, his teammate at the time, now coaching John Shire. <laughs> That's right. He also had a little bit of an NBA career too. Yes. So it'll be fun. NFL schedule released today. We will go through that first. Could Giannis be traded in the off season uh, with the Bucks firing uh, Mr. Budenholzer? Um, I. I believe this could happen. Uh, nobody in their wildest dreams would have thought that Giannis could be looking elsewhere or playing for another organization. But uh, with everything going on with the Milwaukee Bucks and maybe they're just getting older, um, there could be an opportunity to move Middleton in the offseason. So there's a lot of things that could happen this offseason. So why not Giannis uh, looking elsewhere to go and play. Uh, he is not a free agent, just signed a long-term deal. We'll see. Uh, there are stories coming out that he, he'd be interested in moving on from the Milwaukee Bucks. Could the Celtics consider trading Jalen Brown if they lose against the 76ers? We will get into that. Steve Kerr calls out LeBron and the Lakers for flopping. LeBron responds saying he never flops. NBA and NHL playoff updates, Bracket Wars matchup, the number five seed, the 1980s Islanders versus the number one seed, the late 90s Bulls, and the number five seed, 1980s Lakers versus the number one seed, 1990s Yankees. So this will be fun. Yeah, uh, this is the last one before the final four. Oh, it's going to be fun. So why don't we get into it? I know everybody couldn't wait until the schedules came out. And, you know, you sit here today, and we're going to go through practically – we'll go through all the NFL teams. Not, uh, we we're not going to go to every single game and compare and contrast each game and give you their record this year. I'm not doing that. No, but, uh, obviously, the New York Giants and the New York Jets schedules came out. I know a lot of people thought that the Jets and the Giants were playing week one, September 11th. That is not happening. So, Boomer, eat your heart out. I'm talking about Boomer Esiason, that he was on the Boomer and Geo show the other day, speaking and saying that he believes his inside uh, people from the Jets organization or from the NFL has said that the Jets and Giants were going to play week one. That is not true. They're playing week eight. But let's go into the New York Giants schedule. And the Giants schedule... Being that they're in the NFC East, and I know everybody keeps saying the NFC East was one of the best divisions in football last year. They play nobody, and they play against one another. And that division was just absolutely horrendous. The Philadelphia Eagles played how many 500 teams last year? Three? Three. Yes, they had the best record in football before Jalen Hurts got hurt. And then you saw what happened at the end of the season. I believe this is a better Eagles team. The Giants' schedule this year is not easy. Especially in the beginning of the season. 
Week number one, the Dallas Cowboys. Again, for like the sixth time in nine years. <laughs> they will be going home for week one. So this is a home game for the New York Giants. Week number one, it's at 820, Sunday night football, a primetime game. Not surprised that the Giants have a primetime game. They have a couple of them this year. The NFC East always does. Week two. The Arizona, the new and improved Arizona Cardinals. I don't know how improved they are, but uh, they don't have a starting quarterback, as we all know. Their quarterback will be out for the whole season. Here comes the Colt McCoy revenge game. <laughs> new coach, new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, and a lot of problems. This is a game the Giants should win. Week three, the San Francisco 49ers Thursday night football, 8-15 at night, September 21st. No quarterback. I, I, This is a game that could go either way. I know how talented San Francisco's defense is. Some of the moves that they made this offseason. They have all these offensive firepower weapons that they have on the field. They don't have a quarterback. And I don't want to hear about Trey Lance coming back from an ankle injury because Trey Lance hasn't stayed healthy since they drafted him. How many games has he played since he's come into the NFL? Five? Only well, like parts of some other ones, too, so it's not even five. So that's a game the Giants could win, too. I know it's back-to-back away games. On a short week, too. It was really hard. I still think the Giants are capable of beating both those teams. Both those teams have no quarterback. Week four, home, Monday night football. 8-15, October 2nd, the Seattle Seahawks. We all know what the Seattle Seahawks did in the draft. They had a fantastic draft. They had another another weapon, offensive weapon. Geno Smith gets a new contract. This offensive line showed everybody, especially at the right tackle, and left tackle positions, how good this line could be moving forward. And this defense got a lot better as they added Bobby Wagner back to this roster, to the, to this linebacking core. And with the secondary that they added in the draft, they are absolutely loaded defensively. And they also added Draymond Jones, who was one of the best DTs in the league last year. And they added Devin Bush from the Steelers as well. Week 5, October 8th, 1 o'clock, the Miami Dolphins. This is a game that obviously they're playing in Miami. They've had problems playing in Miami over the years. But this isn't the Dan Marino Miami Dolphins. I will say this. This Miami Dolphin team is really good. This secondary, adding Jalen Ramsey in the offseason. If Tua is actually healthy... This offensive line was one of the better offensive lines last year. It actually showed up when a lot of people predicted this offensive line wasn't any good. They added Armstead last year in the offseason. He showed up. He was one of the better tackles in the league this last, uh, last year. They added some players in the offseason. Not too many besides Jalen Ramsey. But this team had arguably the best duo at the wide receiver position in Waddle. And Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill had one of his best seasons, 1,600 yards, over 12 touchdowns. 
He was the most explosive wide receiver in football besides Jefferson last year. Week six, they have the Buffalo Bills. October 15th, Sunday night football. They're heading to Buffalo. Still not going to be cold in October. It's usually not cold in Buffalo. It's probably around 50, 45 degree weather. Josh Allen, this is this is a Buffalo Bills team that lost some pieces in the offseason. They had, they had a decent draft, not a great draft. They added a great tight end. They're probably going to move him in the slot, uh, what I've been reading in the beginning of the season. They have weapons. They added no free agents when it comes to wide receivers, which a lot of, a lot of people believe they should have after last year's playoff performance. Gabe Davis, this is his final year of his contract. He could be looking elsewhere. They could be looking elsewhere in the offseason for another wide receiver. Also, the Brian Dable revenge game. How well does he know his former team? I don't know if this is going to be the same former team that he played against. This isn't the same defensive coordinator he knows. Now, uh, obviously, we expect this defense still to be a high-flying defense. They have a very good uh, linebacking core. Their front seven is as good as any front seven in football. The question's are going to be that secondary. How healthy are they going to be? Is White the same player? Because I'll tell you this, White was not the same player last year when he came back. This is a game the Giants could win. Daniel Jones is going to have to outplay Josh Allen October 15th. October 22nd, week 7. 1 o'clock. The Washington Commanders. We don't know who their quarterback is, and I don't want to know about Howell or whoever is going to start for this team. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. This defense is good. Their offensive line is a lot better in the second half last season. And Ron Rivera could be looking elsewhere for a coaching job if this team does not make the playoffs this coming year. Maybe Eric Bieniemy will finally get the coaching head coaching job he deserves. A new offensive style of game. Eric Bieniemy. I. I watched some interesting stuff about Eric Bieniemy. Uh, college football, he was a 5'9 running back uh, that won a national championship with Colorado, mm-hmm. who now is coached by who? Deion Sanders. And he was actually the runner-up to get that position if it wasn't Deion. Deion Sanders. October 29th, week 8, 1 o'clock, the New York Jets. This is a game we, we don't know. We don't know the health of both these teams. Week number eight, as we know, me and Brandon Jacobs have a bet. It's not going to be week one where it ruins the bet with me and Brandon Jacobs, but this is an opportunity. We're going into, I wouldn't say the middle of the season. I would say three quarters of the season. And the Jets and the Giants play a Giants home game in MetLife Stadium. This is a game that could go either way. And Brendan Jacobs, I think the second time we had him on the show, he was telling the story about how uh, they were he was getting annoyed that uh, Rex Ryan was tearing their things down in the locker room. <laughs> we don't know, and I, I will say this. by here, Right now, if you look at their schedule, the Giants should beat the Cowboys. I mean, the Giants might lose against the Cowboys. So they should beat 
I believe the Cardinals, they have a chance against San Francisco. They lose against the Seahawks. They lose against Miami. They have a chance against Buffalo. They, it could go either way with Washington. The Giants' record at this point could probably either be 3-4 and four or 4-3. Four and three. Yeah, the Giants' track record at the beginning of the season against the Cowboys is not very good. They did they did win in 2016 when they swept them for the season when Dallas was the one seed and two of their losses were to the Giants, but they were usually better more towards the end of the year or the middle of the year against the Giants. Cardinals, they should win. 49ers, it's going to be very hard against that defense on a short week, second straight game on the road. And you look at all those winnable games, they're going to have to win one of the Dolphins or Bills games in order to have a shot to stay competitive at that point because the rest of the schedule is pretty hard. Then week number nine. The Giants have the Raiders, the Josh McDaniel Raiders, oh. the new and improved defense from Josh McDaniels, the draft stock that they had going into this offseason, and some of the free agents that they brought in. Is this defense any good? That's the question. And only Vegas knows. And, and a disgruntled wide receiver in Adams, who we heard doesn't want to be there, does not want Jimmy Garoppolo throwing him the ball, a new quarterback. I believe the Giants have a very good chance of knocking off the Raiders in week number nine. Uh, the, re- the reason they'll do that? Darren Waller revenge game. 150 yards incoming against his former team. <laughs> then they go to Dallas. And this is a game, like I said, in week one. The Giants could lose week one. If they lose week one, they beat them in week ten. Uh, this game could go either way. Is the Dallas Cowboys that much better than they were last year? They added some offensive firepower this offseason. They did. They drafted some offensive players in the later rounds, not in the earlier rounds, which was a, a real question mark for the Cowboys. The Washington Commanders, Week 11, another game. I mean, it's a divisional game. It could go either way. I don't think the Giants are beating both these teams twice. I don't. I think they're very equal in this division, except against the Eagles. The Cowboys, the Washington Commanders, and the Giants are very equal to one another. The Eagles are that much better than everybody else in this division. The Eagles are making Dream Team 2.0. Week 12, November 26th, 1 o'clock, Bill Belichick. Yes, As Bill Belichick heads back to his homeland, MetLife Stadium, the New York Giants face against who knows what this Patriot team is going to be this year. I'm waiting for the uh, Jalen Hyatt spectacular catch in the fourth quarter to beat the Patriots. Is Macaroni Jones going to be the starting quarterback by week 12? That's only going to be questioned by Bill Belichick and how he starts this season. So um, the Giants could win this game. They could lose this game. Bill Belichick is a very mastermind planner. So he can go into week 12 and surprise everybody, no matter what their record is, and beat the New York Giants. Week 13, the bye week. Then week 14, at home, December 11th, Monday Night Football against the Green Bay Packers. Jordan Love, This offense, this defense, I, I, I expect this defense to be a great defense this year. They had a lot of injuries in the beginning of the season. The second half of the season, they started playing. Alexander is one of the best corners in football. I, I don't think he gets enough respect 
from some of these comparisons of corners, uh, the top five corners that were last year. I, I think that Alexander stays healthy. He will be an elite corner going into this season. But this defense, this offensive line is a little shaken. Do they have enough weapons? Did they add enough weapons in the draft? They added two tight ends, which... As we know, the Green Bay Packers over the years don't like throwing to tight ends. Aaron Rodgers didn't, and either did Brett Favre. He didn't like throwing to tight ends either. So very interesting on how they drafted in this year's draft, December 11th at 8.15, the Green Bay Packers. December, well, that's not flex. <laughs> week 15, December 17th at 1 o'clock, the New Orleans Saints. This is not a home game. This is going to be in New Orleans. Uh, this is a different team. This is a Derek Carr quarterback run team. This is a defense that did not play well last year, maybe because of injuries. This is the same defense that they were last year. I mean, they lost a couple of pieces. They added some pieces. They had a pretty, I thought they had a pretty good draft. I did too. The Saints are going to be a hard team, and they're very hard to beat at home. They're one of the hardest teams to beat at home, even without Drew Brees. So that's a game that could go either way. Week 16, I'm sorry. This is where I believe if the Giants have any chance of making the playoffs, this really screws them. Yeah. Week 16, December 25th, 4.30, Christmas Day. They're playing the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. So that's a that's a loss, I think. Yeah. Then December 31st, the LA Rams, it should be a win. I don't know what the Rams are. Even with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford healthy, this defense, this off first of all, this offensive line is horrible. They did not add any offensive line help, even in this year's draft in the later rounds. I think they added one piece to this offensive line. Yeah, their second round pick was a guard. But that's it. Free agency, nothing. This is a team that needs to rebuild. I don't know if Matthew Stafford will be healthy by time December 31st comes around. Don't worry, Stetson Bennett will be ready to go by that point. <laughs> and then week 18 to be determined, the Philadelphia Eagles again. I think that's a loss. It will be in MetLife, final game of the season. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is the giant schedule. We're not going to give you a precise record, but that's not an easy schedule for the Giants. Not the way it's set up. Uh, the The fact that the Eagles are playing two of the last three, they have to play the Eagles two of the last three games is horrible. Yeah, and they also have uh, two different bunches where they have three straight games, two and three straight games on the road. Got but it. the only benefit here is if the Eagles are like 13 and one, what are they, 14 and one or something right. like that. Uh -huh. They might not even start their players in these two games. So this could give the Giants an opportunity to win these two games. And again, it's also the NFC East. The Eagles might be petty enough to try to keep the Giants out of the playoffs, too. And now the New York Jets schedule. I know everybody couldn't wait for this, so let's go through it. Week one. It doesn't say if it's home or away. It doesn't really I think show. it's home. Pretty sure it's home. The green, it's home. I guess, I guess the green, green is home. The black is away. September 11th, 8-15, ESPN, Monday Night Football, first game of the season, prime time with Aaron Rodgers, Buffalo Bills. This is a game that can go either way. This is a Jet team that was really put together this offseason. You added Aaron Rodgers, Mecole Hardman, all the other weapons that they added defensively, offensively. This team is primed to win this year. 
The question is, are they going to be ready week one against this Buffalo Bills team that is a veteran team, a team that's been together? They were, this offseason, they really didn't add any pieces. This Von Miller will be back this year, so this could be a great defense. Or remember, they lose their defensive coordinator. He steps down, Leslie Frazier. So this could be a completely different defense. We will see week one. It can go either way. Week two, the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. This is a game, again, 425 p.m., I would say this is a primetime game, 425 on a Sunday. I, I Usually the Jets are on at 1 o'clock. This past year, the Jets, I don't think, played one game at 4 o'clock. The Jets are playing their second game at 425 against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. This is a game the Jets should win. They're better than Dallas. They are. Dallas added some pieces offensively, like we were speaking about with the New York Giants. They are a better team this year. But is Dak Prescott the guy? Is Dak Prescott going to be able to throw against the Jets? Against Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed? And that secondary and Clark and Whitehead? That is the only way the Cowboys are going to beat the Jets week two. Week three in New York. The Bill Belichick Patriots. This, I believe, will be the first year... The Jets sweep their meetings. I think the Jets win September 24th. I know everybody says, well, when was the last time the Jets beat the Patriots? This isn't the same Patriots team, and this isn't the same Jets team. The Jets actually have a quarterback. The Jets are stacked. The Patriots are a good team, but are they good enough? Is Macaroni Jones good enough to throw against this Jets defense and be able to put enough points against this defense for Aaron Rodgers not to compete you know, touchdown to touchdown. I don't know if they are. The Patriots will probably have to play three tight ends the whole game. We'll see how that works. Week four, October 1st, 820, Sunday night football. Primetime game for the Jets in New York, Kansas City. This is a game that a lot of people will predict Kansas City. But if the Jets want to make a statement this year that they are for real, they have to be Kansas City in New York. Have to. Kansas City is a team that didn't have a very good draft. They're offseason. They lost some pieces. They didn't really add that many pieces in free agency. They lost their offensive lineman in Orlando Brown. He's gone. Their tackle position is not as strong as it was last year. They do have to face... Patrick Mahomes, the great quarterback, the best quarterback right now in football. And they got to finish Travis Kelsey for a Jets team that did not do well at guarding tight ends. Week five. At Denver. They played Denver last year. Their offensive coordinator was their former coach. Now they have to deal with Mr. Payton over there. Sean Payton. Russell Wilson's second year under the helm of that Broncos team. I believe this is going to be a good year for Russell Wilson. The Jets will have problems in Denver. I do believe that. I I cannot see the Jets winning back-to-back years in Denver. This could be a game the Jets could lose. October 15th, the Jets have never, ever beaten the Eagles. This might be the first year the Jets beat the Eagles. I believe week six... At 425 in MetLife Stadium on Fox, the Jets knock off 
the dangerous Philadelphia Eagles. I hope you're right. Week seven is their bye week. And then, ladies and gentlemen, again, the New York Giants in MetLife Stadium. They will be the away team, but it's kind of like a home game. They have a chance to knock off the Giants. The Giants have a a chance to knock off the Jets. If you were to put a gun to my head, I say the Jets win this game. But anything could happen. November 6th, week 9. The L.A. Chargers in New York. The Chargers have to travel to New York. The Chargers lost a lot this offseason. Eckler will probably not be a part of this roster. They're probably going to train him before the season starts. This is a different team. And their defense is old, too. I think the Jets should win this game. Monday Night Football, 8-15, ESPN. This is a game the Jets should win. Week 10, November 12th, in Las Vegas. Sunday Night Football, another primetime game. Against Josh McDaniels, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raiders. This is a game the Jets should win. This is a Raiders team that is rebuilding a defense. Their offense... Half of the wide receivers in Renfro and Adams don't want to be there. They don't like the offense. They don't like Josh McDaniels. I don't know how long Josh McDaniels is going to have a job. Week 11. Depending on what happens in week one, I think the Jets will split against the Buffalo Bills November 19th, 425 p.m. CBS. Week 12 versus... The Miami Dolphins, November 24th, 3 p.m. prime time game in New York. I believe the Jets will split with Miami this year. So I'm going to give the Jets this win. Week 13, December 3rd, 1 p.m. on Fox, Atlanta Falcons. This is a game the Jets should win. They're better than the Atlanta Falcons. Now, I, I love what Atlanta did this offseason. Mm-hmm. B. Sean Robinson on this as a, with Patterson and the weapons that they have. If they stay healthy and they actually get the ball to Kyle Pitts this year, this team could be explosive offensively. Defensively, there's a lot of questions to this defense. They're secondary. They have some good pass rushers. I like what they did last year in the second half. I, I think this team is a lot better than people think they're going to be this year, but the Jets are better than them. Week 14 in New York, December 10th, against the Texans. I I love C.J. Stroud. I love Anderson. This is a young team. This is a young coach. This is a new roster. I do not believe the Texans are going to beat the Jets in New York. This This is a chance where the Jets could actually win three games or four games in a row and get hot. Because guess what? Week 15, they're heading to Miami. And like I said, if they beat Miami in week 12, I say they lose week 15. So this could be a game that they lose in Miami. Week 16, the Washington Commanders. I don't know if Ron Rivera will have a job by then. Because who's going to be their quarterback? I don't want to hear about Jacoby Brissett or Howell, Sam Howell. This team has no quarterback, and we've seen the Jets over the years. We've seen a lot of teams with no quarterback. Uh, there's obviously problems 
as far as I'm concerned with this team. They have, they have some weapons, offensive weapons. I think they have two you know, good wide receivers. They have a good running game. Their offensive line is still fairly young. And they have a good defense that could be elite this year. But if they can't score any points, it doesn't matter how good their defense is going to be. Week 17 at the Cleveland Browns. This is a game the Jets are going to lose. After what happened last year, coming back, Joe Flacco embarrassing the Browns, I believe I believe Watkins, Deshaun Watson, I'm sorry, Deshaun Watson is going to have a great season. I think he's going to have his off his OTAs, he's going to have his time practicing with the players and the team. I think Watson's going to have a fabulous year. I think the Browns are minimum. They're going to make the playoffs. If I and a lot of people could predict or even argue that the Browns are the best team in their division. And then week 18 to be determined the Patriots. And I believe, and I'll say it again, the Jets will sweep the Patriots this year. I know it's crazy. The Jets haven't beaten the Patriots in like, I don't know, 12 games or something like that. Yeah, since the last one I was uh, I was at with uh, with my, my uncle and my grandfather as a gift for him. The Matthew Slater infamous botching the coin toss game since the Patriots won every other meeting. And John says, you got the Jets losing against Denver. The reason why I have the Jets losing against Denver is because last year the Jets went to Denver and they won in Denver. I think with Sean Payton, and uh, you're you're saying the Jets nine and eight. The Jets are going to have a better record than nine and eight. I think the Jets could win eleven games this year. The way it's set up for the this is a hard schedule. This is a brutal schedule. Both the Giants and the Jets have brutal schedules. But we still don't know what Buffalo is going to be this year. We don't. And Dallas. As good as Dallas has been over the last couple of years, the Jets, go look at the Jets' record against Dallas the last three times they've played them. Last four they've won. I don't believe, even in Dallas, and by the way, go look at go look at Aaron Rodgers' record against the Dallas yeah, Cowboys. Even better. In Dallas. I, I just don't think Dallas is going to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Jets in week two. It, it's it's I know everybody is predicting. I'm not going to give you their record. I don't know if the Jets are going to be nine and eight. I'll go through. I'll go through the schedules as the season progressively moves forward. I believe the Jets are going going to win more than nine games. There is yeah. no way. Last year, with three quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, in, to, actually two out of the three were. Probably third-string quarterbacks on any other team. Joe Flacco is a third-string quarterback now. Mike White is a third-string quarterback. I know he's on Miami, and he could be the starting quarterback by the time they play the Jets. That would be funny, but <laughs> I don't know. And then we all know about our, our buddy over there and Zach Wilson. The Jets won seven games last year just because of their defense, and they got tired. This defense is much better. They couldn't stop the run last year. They added Al Woods. They added Clark, a good run-stopping safety. This is a better defense this year. It's better. They're going to be able to get at the quarterback on both sides of the ball. 
And I do believe that this offensive line is much better than they were last year. To say that the Jets are only going to win nine games with Aaron Rodgers and a better roster is crazy. You're saying that adding Aaron Rodgers is only going to give them two more wins. That would only happen if there's a lot of bad injury injuries. Luck. Yeah, because again, the offensive line is a lot of them. I was talking with Josh earlier, like Elijah Vera Tucker, back to back years. I mean, last year was more of a major injury. The year before was more of recurring ones, but obviously Mackay Becton's still another big factor too. And then Brees Hall, how will he come back to the same? John, you way? you you have a lot to say on, on you know. I, I understand. I don't know if you're a Jet fan, a Giant fan, or an Eagle fan. Who knows? I think and, you said he was a Carolina Panthers fan. For you to sit here and say that the Jets shouldn't win more than nine games. Or, and I, I understand Carl. Carl is not a Jet fan. And, and over the last couple of years, we all know what the Jets are. Actually, the last 12 years, we know what the Jets are. They're a losing organization. This isn't the same, oh, he's a Patriot fan. Oh, that's oh, even Patriot funnier. Fan, okay. <laughs> that's even funnier. You think the Patriots are going to have a good record this year? You think the Patriots are going to outplay the Jets this year with that roster? Come on, John. Open your eyes here. The Patriots did nothing this offseason. They had a good draft. Some people said their draft was bad. And by the way, Carl, I'm not going to attack you. You bet? All right, John. What do you want to bet? You say that the Jets, you bet me that the Jets won't sweep the Patriots. You guys have a bet already, a food bet already. Do we? Yeah, you do. Uh, on, that bet. Yeah. on that bet? Yeah, it was, right. it was over. The, John had to, the Jets had to lose uh, nine games, I don't know, less than nine games. I think you had over nine games. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's make another bet. Mm, doubling down. I'll All double right. down this, that the Jets sweep the Patriots this year. Ooh. Yeah, you owe me a steak. Do I owe him a steak? Yeah, that was the bet. You right. you had to travel to him wherever he was. All right, where does he live? I I, I forget where he lived, but you guys said at the time you were, you were going to travel to wherever he lives. All right, so I'll had, travel to him. I'll buy him a I'll and buy him a you steak. You had to come here for a steakhouse. That's the expensive steakhouse bet. What is he writing over here? I can't read this. I'm hosting a show. You read it, Speedy. I'll answer it. Uh, and I'm not like your old cast member. A lot not longer on here. I will pay up. Okay. <laughs> you live in North Carolina. Okay. North Carolina. I, I I'm going. Going to visit friends in North Carolina. You you tell me where you will where you live. We'll double down if the Patriots if the Patriots don't get swept. I will I will take you out to a very nice steak dinner. You and your wife, okay? I will take you out to a very nice steak dinner. They're sweeping the Patriots this year, by the way. It's it, it's so interesting. And Speedy, I want you to pull up some of these. Uh, the schedules, because uh, the schedules came out tonight. We gave you both the Giants and the Jets. It's going to be fun to watch. The Jets with the new improved defense adding d- uh, double down. Yep. With the Jets, with the new improved defense that they added, Al Woods and Clark and all the different firepower power weapons that they had, McCole Hardman. And this offensive line, this reconstructed offensive line this year. The Jets are absolutely capable of winning 11 games this year. And that's what I predict the Jets are going to do. They're going to win 11 games this year. All right. Well, looking at the AFC East in particular, the Buffalo Bills, like you said, has a lot, have a lot of interesting ones. The, their matchup with Miami week four is the uh, the home game. And then they're at the end of the season, Bills Dolphins. So the Jets Patriots are the AFC East at the end. And then they're at the Chiefs week 14 and they're at the Eagles week 12. The so. Jets are going to need that last game. Yeah, they are. But the, with the AFC as strong as it is, the Jets are going. So they're going to play all their guys. They're going to play Aaron Rodgers. If, he, if he's 100% healthy, week 18, I expect. Expect 
that the Jets are going to sweep the New England Patriots. I, I do not believe the Jets are going to be sitting anybody in Week 18. They're going to need that win. So it, the Bills actually, you mentioned the Jets had six primetime games. The yes. Bills have, uh, have the same. They have six primetime games, one of which is a Saturday at the end of the season against the Chargers. The Miami Dolphins, they have, I believe, it looks like five primetime games. It's crazy yeah. because last year the Jets had one primetime game. Right. It was Thursday Night Football. Thursday, yep. Thursday Night Football. And now you add Aaron Rodgers, and now you're getting six, possibly seven primetime games because that – to-be-determined game against the Patriots Week 18 could be a primetime game. It could be a Saturday game because both teams could be fighting for a playoff spot. Right, and you saw that with the Broncos last year when they traded for Russell Wilson. They got a lot of primetime games, but then they were so bad they had to flex out like three of them, including the one that the Dolphins I was very surprised with Russell Wilson last year. I I, I don't believe it was the coaching. I just think the roster was poorly put together. They lost Williams early in the season. They had no running game. That affected them because the Broncos are all about Running the ball. And as a matter of fact, the West Coast offense that they were running last year, it's run first, throw second. He comes from the Green Bay. He comes from the Green Bay Packers West Coast offense. So I losing Williams and Williams coming back this year, he's going to be dangerous. I believe he'll he'll be one of the best backs in, in the NFL this year. And the Cincinnati Bengals, actually, for a team that, again, is a very good team, do not have as many primetime games, which is very interesting. They have one with the with the Rams, ironically. The Rams, I guess, are still getting some kind of attention in Jacksonville, but only three total in comparison to a lot of the AFC East teams, which is very interesting. They'll be Why playing- is it interesting? I'm, I can't believe the Rams have three uh, primetime games. They have nobody. Yeah. How do the Rams have three, time, three pr- uh, primetime games this year when the Jets had one? Yeah, very, very, very weird. But Last again, they're year. Always, they're always going to get, I guess, big city bias, I guess. It's crazy. Uh, it, I don't know. But big city bias. Thing, it's the same thing we say about the NFC East. The like, Jets are from New York. Time. No, no, I know that. I'm not saying compared to the Jets. I'm just saying, uh, like, in general, just like they're always going to get a I understand more. they didn't have a quarterback, but you had Aaron Rodgers and you're going, you're going to give them seven primetime games? Right. Uh, it, it, it's interesting, though, but, but you're right. It's the same kind of thing with the NFC East. Like, why do they always have so many primetime games when they shouldn't have when the division until last year was just really bad for a long time, too? Uh, the Eagles, you were talking about it earlier, have mm. have a, a, lo- a lot Eight. of them, too. Yeah, they, they play on Christmas, like you were saying. They have uh, <laughs> they have two two Monday night games. They have, let's see, they have, they all, they have two Sunday night games, Miami and Dallas. Uh, it doesn't look, does not look like they have a Thursday game, though. That's interesting. John, John says because it's in L.A., it's in L.A., and it's a new stadium. I, I disagree. The L.A. Rams are not a good team. Why are you giving them primetime games when they're going to stink this year? Their defense is old. Their offensive line is putrid. And Matthew Stafford has back problems. How many games do you think Matthew Stafford is going to start this year? Right. You're going to be talking. Who's their backup quarterback? Who's going to Stetson play? Stetson Bennett. Oh, the old man, Stetson Bennett. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to watch Stetson Bennett play the old Georgia Bulldog. Jeff's new favorite quarterback. He's going to probably pick the Rams to win the division just because of Stetson Bennett. I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think the L.A. Rams are going to be any good. And the fact that they have three primetime games is an absolute joke. But I, I think it, it's wide open this year in the NFC. I think it's absolutely wide open in the NFC. 
The Rams aren't going to make the playoffs. I expect Atlanta to be a lot better than people think they're Atlanta, going to be. Atlanta's interesting because it, it depends on how fast they could figure out a lot of these new pieces all at once. Because you're right, the Saints are probably still the, they're still probably the team that has a little more continuity with themselves, even though they are a Veteran little team. older. Yeah, they're a little older of a team, but they have more continuity in terms of the coaching, in terms of the defense playing together a lot of the time. A lot of the guys they brought in last year are homegrown guys, so it's not really a new scheme fit. It's just a matter of how Derek Carr acclimates. But Atlanta's got a little more free agents brought in, and that's what's interesting. Listen, and nobody gives a crap about 7 million people living in L.A. If they stink, why would they make it a prime Sorry, time game? St- How many people live in New York? How many people live in New York? A lot more than 7 million. Okay, and actually, I would say it's about 7 million. Right? But even so, right? like, how many Rams fans well, probably actually... Probably a little bit more than that, Regar- 8 or 9 million. Regardless, Snug, how many Rams fans actually show up to the game comparatively? And how many Chargers games show up to the L.A. primetime games they always get? They got a lot last year, Sunday Night Football. And, yeah, they were competitive in a lot of those games, but still, like, the Chargers fans did not show up. Carl, we'll get into the NBA. Don't worry about it. We're, I mean, the big story right now is... Obviously, the NFL schedule is coming out, and everybody was looking forward to this because now you can really see and kind of predict where some of these teams could be in the middle of the season or, or maybe throughout the season. And uh, like I said, I expected the Jets to have a hard schedule. I, I did. It did, didn't matter how bad they were last year. I expected them to have a hard schedule. They're in one of the hardest divisions in football. They have to play all three of those teams twice. So that's six games right there. And... The divisions that they're matched up against this year, the NFC East, I don't think is going to be as difficult as everybody thinks it's going to be. I think mainly the Giants and the Jets will play a good game because it's the Battle of New York. I expect them both to go out there and play hard. But it's really, it's the Eagles. That's what it is. And and the Jets have never beaten the Eagles. So that that game really stands out week six for the New York Jets. That'll be interesting for the Eagles. They actually had the hardest strength of schedule coming in. But a lot of people believe they have the best team. So that'll be interesting to see how that tests out. The Giants, they said, are the third hardest. Based on last year's percentages, obviously. Third hardest. And the Jets were the sixth hardest. I think when you look at these schedules, and, and like Speedy was saying, and, and we're trying to figure out how these teams are, are going to fall or. Uh, maybe some of these teams that we think are going to be good or mediocre could maybe be better than we think or maybe worse than we believe. So Seattle, everybody looks at their roster and some of the things and the additions that they made and, and their draft. Some people love their draft. Could they actually fall off? Is Geno Smith for real? Is he for real? They gave him an extension. They drafted a quarterback. Didn't they draft a quarterback? No, they didn't draft a quarterback this year. They didn't. No, I, no, they didn't. I, I think they were rumored because everyone was thinking, okay, they might trade up into the first round if they really wanted a quarterback, but they didn't actually do that. They ended up going Did they bring them. a quarterback in free agency? Devin, I, Devin Witherspoon. No, they, they still have Drew Locke there as their backup. Okay. So, I, I mean, they're, they're expecting Geno Smith to go out there and put up the numbers that he did last year, maybe even better, with a couple of more offensive firepower. And this defense is going to be a lot better. And they have Walker, and they added another running back. Uh, so they have weapons, but the question is, are they going to be able to do and, uh, and do what they did last year even better this year and make the playoffs and make even a further run after getting knocked out by San Francisco? Uh, John has a question. Do you think the Lions win their division? And where do you think Dalvin Cook will land? Heard today that they are moving on from him. I think the Lions are the most improved team over the last two years. I love Campbell. I think he's a great coach. I, I love the chemistry that they had in the the second half of the season. I think this defense is young and fun and fast. I think the secondary is going to be even better this year. The 
the free agency market that opened up this year. They added some good free agent players in free agency, and they had a great draft. Do I think they're going to be good? I think they could win the division. There's no question that they could. I I expect Chicago to be a lot better than they were last year. They added some additions. I don't know how much better they're going to be, but I think Justin Fields is for real. I do. I think they added some good players to this offensive line. And I think this offensive line, if they protect Justin Fields a little bit better, I think they'll put up the numbers, and I think they'll be able to compete. But, yeah, I think the Lions should win the division. I do. I mean, is Green Bay that good? <laughs> Jordan Love, we don't even know what Jordan Love is. And, and I'm telling you, for all you Packer fans out there, including you, Ben, you sit here today and saying farewell to Aaron Rodgers, good riddance. I don't know if you're going to put all your eggs in one basket for Jordan Love. I like Jordan Love, but – when you lose two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two of the greatest quarterbacks of this of this time, and Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and both went to the Jets, and now you're expecting to put all your eggs in one basket in Jordan Love, and you haven't seen enough of them, I, uh, good riddance and good luck. Yeah, and also the Lions, they're getting that kind of hype that we saw it seems like the Broncos get last year. They're an off-season darling type thing. We saw that with the Chargers. A lot of these teams that got it, and the Lions ended up getting more primetime games as a result, too. And they have four this year, including the opening kickoff game. They actually get to play the Chiefs on Thursday night to open up the season, which I was surprised they made it that way. I was thinking they would do it with the Bengals, or they did it with Miami, maybe the Tyree Kill revenge game type thing, but they did it with the Lions, so they're going to get a lot of features right away. A hot team at the end of the season. Can they keep it going for another year? But yeah, they could definitely win the division. They improved. I think they improved a lot with their run defense. That is going to help out a lot. Gets got some defensive tackle depth, and it, a lot of it will depend on if they can get enough receiving depth with a lot of these guys suspended. But in terms of the whole team, yeah, they could definitely do it. Minnesota, they bring Brian Flores to help out their defense, but they didn't really do a lot in terms of improving their talent overall, with, except for some of the corners they drafted in day two. But I think the Lions definitely have a good shot. It's going to be an interesting f- race between the Lions and the Vikings. I if think. you look at the AFC. Did the Bills get better this offseason? I don't think so. Did the Dolphins? Yes. Yes. Did the Patriots get better? No. No. Did the Jets get better? They did. Mm. Did the Bengals get better? I think they did. Yeah. The Ravens got better. The Steelers got better. Oh, yeah. The Browns got better. The Jaguars got better. And they're adding another wide receiver to that wide receiving core. The Titans got worse. The Colts, mediocre. We'll say, yeah. The Texans got better, but they're not going to be any good. The Chiefs didn't get better this offseason. Yeah, they usually add a bunch of guys after training camp, though. The Chargers didn't get better. They got worse. The Raiders, I would say, mediocre. And the Broncos, they added a coach, but did they get better? In the NFC, the Eagles got better. Yeah, Dream Team 2.0 you're looking at. The Cowboys, did they get better? No, probably Uh, not. I would say they stay the same. The Giants get better? A little. Mediocre. The Commanders get better? I wouldn't say they did. The Vikings, they got better. They added Addison. And Brian Flores to help out that defense is very underrated. The Lions got better. The Packers, they didn't get better. They lost Aaron Rodgers. The Bears got better. The Buccaneers got worse. They lose Tom Brady. Oh, yeah. The Panthers got better. The Saints got better with Derek Carr. The Falcons got better. The 49ers, beginning of the season with no quarterback, are they better? With Trey Lance, they lost They lost Jimmy Garoppolo. He goes to Vegas. They don't have a starting quarterback. Is it Sam Darnold? Now, if Sam Darnold shows up and he takes 
the bull by its horns and shows everybody why he was a top three draft pick for the New York Jets. Maybe he's the future quarterback of this organization. They're going to be going back and forth with these quarterbacks. You have Trey Lance, who you drafted in the top five. You have you have uh, Sam Darnold, which was drafted in the top five. And then you have a guy that was drafted fi- the final pick of the draft in, in Purdy, and in Brock Purdy, who could be out until the second half of the season. And probably will be. Again, if one of those four quarterbacks establishes themselves, Brock Purdy might be traded. Who so did the, did the did the 49ers get better? I don't think so. No, they probably stayed at the same. So Seahawks got better. Yeah. The Rams got worse, and the Cardinals are bad. Yeah. So if you look at, and I don't know where the schedules are. I'm not going through each and every team's schedule. We, we spoke about the New York teams. The NFC is wide open. It really is. The only teams that really stand out this year in the NFC is the Eagles, the Lions, the Vikings. I would say the Panthers are the best team in that division. And the 49ers, if they figure out who their quarterback is. And the Seahawks. That's it. That's like six teams. All six teams that will probably make the playoffs. And you probably have to think, like, the only three that are probably even on, like, the safe, safe side – uh, the the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the 49ers, where, yeah, the, yes, they have a question mark with their quarterback, but I can still trust Kyle Shannon at least be a playoff team. Like the Vikings, the Lions, do you want to hope that they can make that leap in order to be the next thing? One of them will win the division. You know what's so funny? And I, I love Ben. I, I really do. And he likes to crack jokes and make jokes. And he we all know he's a Green Bay Packer fan. For you to sit here and practically want to push all you all you Packer fans that wanted to push Aaron Rodgers out, it's time for a new beginning. And say, we don't know what Jordan Love is. I'm telling you, he's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm telling you, he's not Aaron Rodgers. There is not many quarterbacks that have the accuracy of Aaron Rodgers. As a matter of fact, he is the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. So for you to sit here, and I I talk to a lot of Packer fans. I have friends that are Packer fans. I have people in the hospital that I work at are huge Packer fans. And they sit here, good riddance to Aaron Rodgers. You guys, the fans... The executives of the Green Bay Packers are the ones that pushed out one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time out from the Packers because he wanted to be there. He wanted to stay there. He wanted to win there. And now all of a sudden, because he's gone and he goes to the Jets, who cares? We've got Jordan Love. Carl responds, laughable statement. Are you really saying Jordan Love has Aaron Rodgers-type talent? And Ben also says, uh, Green Bay attempting to beef up defense, too, targeting Cleveland safety John Johnson, who did not play well with the Browns, Ben. So I would not be optimistic Ben, for you to sit here and believe that Jordan Love is Aaron Rodgers is a joke. And what is it? What is John Sugg saying over here? I'm going to laugh if Love puts up more yards than Rodgers this year. Ha ha. A percentage of that happening is probably less than one. Let me ask you a question. Who's Jordan Love throwing to? How's that question? Who's he throwing to? Watson? Tight ends. Dubs? Musgrave? Who's he throwing to? Who's going to stand out from that roster? Because they don't have a number one guy. That's for sure. Watson is not a proven number one guy. I don't want to hear it. He had a good season. He looked good with Aaron Rodgers. That's Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. And don't give me the second half against the Eagles and that secondary that was beaten up. Right. And what Watson was doing with Jordan Love in the second half against the Eagles. They still lost that game. So I don't want to hear it. And, and Aaron Rodgers... 
Look at the weapons he has in New York. Tell me a time then that from from when he played with the Green Bay Packers to now where he's had this many weapons to throw to in New York. Honestly. And I don't want to hear about rookies and hidden talent. They, uh, listen, John, we could go back and forth on who's hidden and who's good and who's not. We all know what these players are in college. And, and maybe they transform to turn into superstar players in the NFL. We've seen players do that. They were okay, mediocre offensive players in college, and then they go to the NFL and they just spark it, and they become superstars. I do not believe the Packers have those kind of weapons. Uh, John, yes, he's on his second year. But again, these guys are, uh, you're trusting a second-year guy to be a number one guy that quickly. is. Uh, I, get so, I, I get so angry talking to Packer fans. I, I, I get such a headache. The fact that they walk away from one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and they think that Jordan Love's just going to step right in and take over for arguably one of the best passing quarterbacks we've ever seen and think, hey, it's okay. It's just Aaron Rodgers. He's old. He's 39 years old. He can't do it again. Get out of here. Who did he throw to last year? Who? They had not one guy in the top 100 in the wide receivers in all of the NFL last year. He still threw 3,600 yards. He still had a broken thumb. And by the way, he led the NFC in touchdowns. It's a joke. And for all you Packer fans to say, sayonara, we don't need you, Aaron, that's a joke. And I can't wait until he puts up 35 touchdowns, the most the Jets have ever had, throws seven or eight interceptions, and helps the Jets win 11 games and possibly win the AFC East. It is a joke. And for anybody, I am so tired of this. I, I really am. I, I can't sit here half of the time, and it's not because I'm a Jet fan, because honestly, this has nothing to do with me being a fan of the New York Jets. It, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. We're talking about arguably the greatest quarterback to ever throw a football. Okay? And I don't care what anybody – you want to say Tom Brady, fine. Put Tom Brady in front of him. You could say whatever you want. The most accurate quarterback in NFL history is Aaron Rodgers. Go look at the numbers. They don't lie. And now all you Packer fans out there say, oh, we don't need him. He's gone. Who cares? He, he actually gave you Packer fans a wonderful letter telling you how much you lo- he loved you guys and that he's always going to have the Packers in his heart. And now... All you fans out there think, you know what, he walked out on us. How about your team president, your GM, walked out on him? He was sitting there waiting all offseason, waiting to hear from the organization, and they made him sit. You're talking about the greatest quarterback from Packers history. Yes, better than Brett Favre. Yes, better than Bart Starr. And now you think Jordan Love is going to take his spot? It is a joke. And I'm not saying Jordan Love's not going to be any good. But he's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. It makes me sick, okay? It really does. And then everybody makes a joke. (laughs) He's going to the Jets. We we all know what Brett Favre did. Brett Favre didn't want to be in New York. He didn't. Aaron Rodgers actually wants to be there. He's actually practicing with the team at the facility right now as we speak. It is a joke. 
When we come back, we will be talking to former Packers, Bills, Buccaneers, defensive lineman, Jarrell Worthy. Our friend, Jarrell, we haven't spoken to him. I'm sure he has a lot to say about Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets when we come back here on the Sports Lab Mouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. This is the Sports Live Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. Petey, remember you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. They are live. They are not podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. You can actually tune in. You actually can call the shows. You can actually interact with the talent. Oh, my God. Is that real? Yes, it is. You can call the shows. That's right. You can interact with Speedy. Look at him. Look at this beautiful guy. I mean, his hair needs to be cleaned up. But, I mean, he looks pretty good. I mean, look at me. I have a new hat on. I'm looking good. New tattoos. I'm loving it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a friend of the show, we haven't spoken to him for a while, and we have him on again, as Aaron Rodgers is now a New York Jet, he knows him, we know him, we're now talking to former Packers, Bills, and Buccaneers defensive lineman, Jarrell Worthy. Jarrell, what's up, man? Man, what's going on, fellas? Earl, Speedy, what's going on, man? I appreciate you guys having me back on the show, man. It's an honor. Well, it's an honor for us having you on. I mean, I, I was about to throw up. I, we have Packer fans, <laughs> Packer fans just out of their damn minds thinking, yeah. oh, we have the love. We have the love. And meanwhile, the Jets have the Raj, which uh, the Raj could be pounding out the AFC this year. But before we get into that, Tell us, we haven't spoken to you in a while. How are you and your family doing? COVID-19, it's over. Finally, you don't have to wear masks. You don't even have to, actually, you don't even have to wear a mask when you're you're talking live on a live radio show. That's great. I mean, how are you? <laughs> Dude, man, things have been great. Uh, family's been great. Kids, uh, they're just finishing up track. Uh, so things have been going well. You know, it's sunny down here in Atlanta, Georgia, man. So uh, we've actually been well. Uh, you know, our governor never shut things down. So it's, <laughs> it's been status quo. So <laughs> we go, been, uh, you know, shugging and jiving for a couple couple years now. We've been doing our thing. So they're not forcing you to get shots like they did over here for us. No, 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 no. We've been we've been pretty good, man. You know how it is with us, man. Little. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I was forced to take shots, and then it'd I... be a, it'd be a different shot, you know, down here in the south. Hopefully, it's not in the ass, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously, yeah, we definitely don't want to do that one. Pause. <laughs> uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to former Packers, Bills, and Buccaneers defensive lineman Jarrell Worthy. Now, Jarrell. Aaron Rodgers has been the talk of this offseason. Before he even decided to go to the New York Jets, everybody, ESPN, CBS, Yahoo Sports, everybody, nobody cared about free agency. Everybody was wondering where was Aaron Rodgers going? Was he retiring? Was he staying with the Packers? Or was he heading somewhere else, the Jets or whoever? Some people thought he's going to the 49ers. He always wanted to be a 49er. That didn't happen. He's now a New York Jet. Are you surprised that the Packers decided to part ways with the great Aaron Rodgers? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. I think, you know, uh, the Packers are, are known for sticking to their guns when it comes to players, uh, when it comes to personnel. Um, you know, I think Packers have been, uh, they've been standing strong for the last uh, couple of years with A-Rod as far as, um, you know, how they went about the draft, you know, acquiring the players, you know, bringing back to certain players that they think that they could have, uh, that they could have won a championship with. 
um, relying really more so on Aaron Rodgers uh, and his ability to make other players better in order to kind of get them over the hump. Um, I think uh, the the move to the Jets, I would say the Jets is not necessarily surprising because, you know, obviously they're willing to sell anything in order to get a quarterback in the door that can help them help those guys win games. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, um, you know, Aaron's happy. I think he's he's in a situation where, you know, he's in an organization that he feels love. He's feel he feels the love and 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 that and that camaraderie walking through the door. And, you know, it might turn out to be a, a Tom Brady, uh, you know, 2.0 uh, when it like like they did down in Tampa. So, you know, I wasn't surprised when he went out there. But, you know, obviously it's different than seeing him in that in that, you know, that green and gold. It's still green. <laughs> it, it is still green, you know, obviously, you know, but he, I mean, I, you know, 12 is 12. Yes. And, you know, it's going to be a little bit different to see him out there in that number eight, man. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, Robert Sala, he's all in on him. He's got a defense that's going to be able to support him. Uh, he's got young weapons out there that can do, and, and they're going to listen, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, having Alan Lazar come over there, a young guy that's he's been able to help build his career. Randall Cobb that's going to be over there. That's going to be able to help those younger guys with talent, uh, you know, play with a play with Aaron Rodgers the right way, get in and out their cuts and their breaks the right way. The communication, um, it's key that they brought in those two guys right there because you know A Rod is 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 A Rod. Like I said before, he can take you know four or five guys out of out of a target and and win a football game. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be key if they understand and communicate well. Um, and I think they should have success. But you know, as we've seen uh, over the last couple of days, once that schedule released, they're going to have a tough time coming out the gate against Buffalo. Oh, we got the schedule, and we spoke about it early in the yeah. show already. So we'll, we'll get into that with you. Absolutely. No, absolutely, man. I think A-Rod, I mean, he's got a shot to come out and prove his, prove uh, how great he can be. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be tough, man, for both teams, for both organizations uh, moving past uh, this transaction. So he, uh, Aaron Rodgers actually mentioned in his Pat McAfee show appearance, he was mentioning some things about the Packers front office, the way they, they've run, and maybe they're the reason that the trade took so long when it was supposed to be in March and it ended up being in April. So you as a former Packers player, like, is their front office like that much more uniquely run than some of these other teams? Obviously, they're a fan ownership team, but in your time playing there, did you see anything different? Um, I mean, well, they're a great organization. I mean, from top to bottom, uh, I would say at the end of the day, they they believe more so in the in the long play as far as the team, um, more so than the right now. I mean, they've never really made any trades or any moves or or transactions from a personnel perspectives that was uh, spontaneous. Um, you know, it, it took a lot to get Julius Peppers there. It took a lot to get Charles Woodson there before that. Um, you know, shit, it took even a lot to get Reggie White there. I mean, I mean, if you think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, those three Hall of Famers, I mean, it took a lot to kind of get them to wear the, the Packer, uh, the Packer uniform. But, you know, those careers turned out to be, you know, something really special. And, you know, they end up uh, helping those guys win championships. But I would say uh, when it comes down to A-Rod, man, I mean, they're not going to bend and break. I mean, they've had they've had Hall of Fame quarterbacks for the last 30 years. So. They're not going to change their formula just because, you know, A-Rod is, is starting to feel uneasy in the, in the locker room. Although I would say uh, if they could have did, you know, some things about going to get him some veteran leadership as far as receiving play. Um, a lot of the times that he people fail to realize when he was successful, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson. I mean, these were guys that, you know, were still they had a few years in the league. They had proven themselves and they were and they were valuable pieces in order uh, for those guys to get over the hump and for you to you know, treat him like the, like a LeBron James of the NFL. And you try to just, you know, 
you know, you put Booby Gibson around him and a few <laughs> other guys, that's the results you're going to get. Alan Lazard's career is starting to pick up. I mean, you have, uh, you had Watson last year who really started to come on uh, later in the year, but I mean, that's not always going to be the process, man. And, and, and the way these kids are coming out nowadays, man, they're not necessarily getting taught more in-depth uh, offenses like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is used to. I mean, these guys are coming from spread offenses where they have maybe one or two reads. They're not necessarily understanding the more complexities to to the route running nowadays. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if they can get the communication right in, in New York with those young with those young talented receivers, it's going to be uh, it's going to be like that Kurt Warner uh, <laughs> uh, St. Louis Rams team, man. I'm telling you, these guys are going to score a lot of points. We are talking to former Packers, Bills, Buccaneers defensive lineman Jarrell Worthy, Jarrell. Like Speedy was saying on the Pat McAfee show, Aaron was taking shots at the organization, the Green Bay Packers as a whole. They don't know how to treat former players. They pushed out Jordy Nelson. They pushed out Randall Cobb. They brought him back because Aaron wanted him back. They pushed out Brett Favre. Now they're pushing out Aaron Rodgers. Do you believe that the organization doesn't respect the veteran players that have really put this team together and put that, this team on their shoulders all these years that helped this team be successful year in and year out in the NFC? Um, I don't necessarily say that. I just think that the Packer uh, organization has been blessed with a tremendous amount of Hall of Famers. I mean, when you really go down the rosters uh, of a lot of these great Packers teams, man, these guys are wearing a lot of these guys are wearing gold jackets. So, I mean, it's very hard for for those guys to, I would say, um, treat Aaron Rodgers any any different than, uh, you know, Brett Favre or any different than, you know, Bar Star before him because, you know, all of those guys were champions. All of those guys had an opportunity to wear the, the green and gold jersey, um, and they all paid the price. I think at the end of the day, you know, A-Rod uh, just has to understand that uh, tradition is tradition, man. You know, Green Bay hasn't really moved the, meet, the needle for anybody that's that's walked through those doors. Um, and I could see if A-Rod had an opportunity to win, you know, two or three, if he was in that Tom Brady, that upper echelon room of, of champions, I think at the end of the day, he can he can move the needle with his voice and, and with um, his comments. But, you know, at the end of the day, when we only have when we're only able to win one, it's very hard uh, for you to, to to walk through the door and just, you know, say everything that you want, even though the stats are there, the, the, the percentages as far as the winning is, isn't there. So it's an interesting transition for him, too, going from Green Bay to New York. Green Bay, like you played there, they had the great local following. They had the Packers radio shows. They had all those events they did before the season. And now you go to the Jets, which is a media limelight. But you also played for the Bills. Jarrell played for the Bills. Yep. He knows the yep. AFC Yes, East. he does. Yes, he does. So, like, that kind of transition, can you see that kind of thing being very good? And does Aaron Rodgers, do you think, off the field, have that kind of personality that will suit well for a big city? Um, it's going to be very different than, than, than how he moved in Green Bay. I mean, there was times where, you know, he would have to wear, you know, uh, he's not going to have to hide his face. I would say that, you know, obviously in, in New York, there's tons of stars walking all, walking the streets of New York. So, I mean, he's not necessarily going to hide his face, but at the end of the day, you know, he's going to get scrutinized for, you know, the way he drinks water. On the side. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got to be prepared for that. He's got to understand that, you know, everything he's doing is going to get criticized. Um, you know, I honestly think that he should just come out and, and, and be in that more, I would say, how LeBron has been with the Lakers. I mean, you know that you're great, um, but you're now starting to empower a lot of the young talent around you. And now you're bringing their greatness out and seeing how how good they can actually be. And so I think if Aaron Rodgers takes that approach, um, he's been doing that so far by being there with OTA. He's going to be there for minicamp. Uh, working through the smaller details, uh, if he can get in the situation and, and empowering those guys, like how I did, how we, how we uh, 
we were witnesses to see in Green Bay. Like, you know, I remember pregame while him walking up to the wide receivers and asking those guys what he likes, what they like for the day. Um, you know, that was something I had never seen with a quarterback. And even when I went on to another team, it, I've never seen a quarterback, you know, walk up to his guys like, you know, hey, well, what are you guys feeling today? And, and um, you know, if you got a guy like that empowering a lot of that young talent like Garrett Wilson and, and, the, and the group out there, uh, they're going to have some, some, some uh, they're going to have some wins under their belt. You know, Jarrell, you look at the New York Jets, they bring in Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator for uh, Aaron Rodgers with two back-to-back MVPs, and Aaron Rodgers speaks very highly of Nathaniel Hackett. I think one of the main reasons why he decided to come to New York was Nathaniel Hackett, and what Nathaniel Hackett did with the Broncos, it really didn't stand out. Maybe he's not a good head coach, but this guy has been a successful offensive coordinator in the NFL, especially with the Green Bay Packers. What are your thoughts to Nathaniel Hackett's offense in New York and with Aaron Rodgers, with the weapons that he has in the Garrett Wilsons, the Randall Cobbs now, the Allen Lazards, the Conklins, I mean, and then the, the running game, Brees Hall, and then uh, this kid Israel and, and Mike, Michael Carter. I mean, this, there's weapons all over, probably more weapons than Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett has ever had in any place in coaching and quarterbacking in their careers. Um, I think it's going to go well for those guys. I think the biggest thing for them is just uh, obviously health, um, staying healthy. Um, if you guys, if you're having a receiving core that's four, five, six deep that can, you know, all run routes, get out their breaks, um, you know, run a lot of those uh, RPOs that, that A-Rod loves to run. Um, I think the biggest thing for the Jets, honestly, is to get another running back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and to continue to invest in the tight end. Uh, play, you know, A-Rod's success is very successful when he has a vertical threat at the tight end position and somebody that can stretch the field um, down the middle and going up against those those safeties. So although the receivers look very good, they're shiny new toys, um, you're going to need somebody that's going to be able to do a lot of that dirty work that, that A-Rod is very good at, um, you know, getting the ball out to the edge, a lot of that play action pass. So I think investing more in the Jets uh, running game and and in that tight end room is going to give them the ability that they need to actually be successful. Um, There's a lot of good defenses, man, in that in that AFC, uh, in that AFC East, man. New England is going to be ready defensively. You know how Bill Belichick comes to the table. Uh, You've got those young guys and that talented secondary down in Miami. You've got the Buffalo Bills trying to come back and prove their point. You know, Tredavious White had a had a had a down season last year, so uh, Micah Hyde coming off injury. So there's going to be guys gunning for a Rod, you know, and they're going to get those guys. There's twice no a year. Leslie Frazier anymore. So no, yeah, no Leslie Frazier. But I mean, you got you know the 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 secondary is back, and a lot of the and the, the camaraderie is there. Mm-hmm. A lot of the continuity is there. So they're going to have opportunities to 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 win games and get themselves out of tough situations. Um, the Packers, I mean, not the Packers, but the, but the bills have to invest in, in pass rushers. Cause at the end of the day, we saw late in the year, if you couldn't get to the quarterback, the, those guys in that secondary one day, weren't able to hold up at all. So, um, they've got to invest in getting to the quarterback, but it's a perfect game to see it. You got, mm-hmm. you got one of the, the great passes in Aaron Rodgers, and you know, Vaughn is going to be looking to get his hands on a rod if he gets a chance. So it's going to be an exciting Monday night. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask you about the Bills because you played there uh, for uh, you played there for three years, and uh, you yeah. actually your last year you were coached by Sean McDermott, who's now going to have to yeah. take over that defense. And now uh, J- Josh Allen, obviously coming off an injury real year, you're still a great quarterback. Like, do you think they did enough to be able to keep up with the improvements that the Jets and the Dolphins both made this offseason? Because they probably made probably were two of the flashiest teams. 
Um, I think so far they've done enough, but I think at the end of the day, uh, they're going to do more. They're known to grab a veteran or two during the, uh, during the preseason and, you know, adding to their roster. And then there's obviously, um, you know, the trade deadline, they're, you know, have an opportunity to make a trade before that. I think the biggest need is, is, is for them is running back still too. I mean, you know, obviously the jets are going to invest in the running back uh, room. I think the bills need to beat those guys to it. Um, you've got a lot of guys out there on the market that that are available. And then you also have guys in the last year, their contracts, you know, i.e. a Derrick Henry that uh, will look great in a Bills uniform and, and running down the, you know, uh, the middle of the field. So I think, you know, taking the ball out of Josh Allen's hands and allowing him to be great later in the game is what the Bills is what the Bills essentially need. Um, you know, when you're exasperating him, you know, early in that first, second quarter with all the fancy plays and, and although it gets big chunks of yardage, it looks great. He barely has anything left in the third and fourth quarter, man. And then all of a sudden he starts to make these, you know, immature like plays because he's fatigued, I think. Um, so at the end of the day, you've got to find a running back that can help slow that, you know, slow down the pace for those guys and, and keep those guys in third and in, in manageable situation. We are talking to former Packers, Bills and Buccaneers defensive lineman Jarrell Worthy. You know, you're in Georgia. And the Bulldogs are just a dominant force. As a matter of fact, a bunch of them have now gone to the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's call them the Philadelphia Bulldogs because they're a dominant force. Uh, Jalen Carter over there. uh, They have Jordan Davis. I mean, this team is going to be stacked. This is going to be a good defense for many, many years to come. Were you surprised that Philadelphia – added all those pieces, uh, especially all those Bulldogs. And do you think Philadelphia is as good as their roster shows them to be going into this season? Absolutely. I think they're every bit as good as their roster. The way that they play, it's really about, you know, see ball, hit ball. Um, you know, at the end of the day, their D-line is, is very aggressive up front. Um, I think they continue to get better at the linebacker position. You know, obviously, uh, run game and in coverage is, is something that they had a little bit of a concern with last year. Uh, but their secondary was able to help up, help, uh, you know, mask a lot of their issues in the interior as far as the linebacker position um, as well. And, you know, how they were able to do up front with that pass rush, man, having, you know, four or five guys that had 10 or 10 or more sacks on the year. So if you're adding to the bunch with the guys that already have played together and have continuity together and already have a brotherhood going in and like, you know, on third and short, they know what, you know, what to do. I think that's, that's the the biggest key is people don't understand is you literally brought in three more starters uh, to add to a group that already has hall of fame mm-hmm. uh, players up front. And, you know, you can only get better. Um, you know, Jalen Hurst just had to make sure that his turnovers are low this year. Um, they were low last year. And if they continue to stay low, there's, there's, it's going to be very hard for this team to, to, to be beaten. Uh, one of the questions from our fans, uh, John asks, regardless of the record, uh, what is the difference with locations, warm weather versus uh, cold weather? You played, uh, obviously, in Green Bay and in Buffalo, and then you played against hot weather teams like the Miami. So which do you like better? Oh, man. So let's see. Um, as far as uh, weekly preparation, I really love when I played down in Tampa. I think, you know, if if I can make this analogy, like our, our D-line coach always used to, say we need to treat our bodies like a high performance sports car. And so, you know, if you have that all up in the in the bitter cold, that needs to be turned on a little bit and the preparation <laughs> takes a little longer. 
So when you're down in Tampa, man, I can walk outside and just like that sports car, I can turn that car on and, and get the driving. So when I'm down there in Tampa, man, and I was running out to practice, by the time I jogged over to my group, I was already had a, a, a lather of sweat going on and everything was ready to go. Um, in Buffalo, man, I'd have had to been out there an hour and a half before, you know, going through warm-ups and drills to make sure my body was prepared to compete. I really enjoyed being down there in Florida. Loved it. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a lot of, uh, you know, great scenery. It's great to, you know, play uh, next to the water and all those things. But it's not the same as being up there in, in Orchard Park or, you know, in Green Bay, Wisconsin. You got a lot of those cheese heads. You got those Bills fans jumping off tables. <laughs> like, there's nothing like that atmosphere. So, um, you know, being down south, uh, being in Florida, it's, 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 a, it's great for the eyes. But if you're talking about being a true football fan and in the, in the nitty gritty, in the, you know, on that, on that in that frozen tundra, man, it's nothing like being in, in Buffalo or Green Bay. As everybody knows, we are talking to former Packers, Bills, and Buccaneers defensive lineman Jarrell Worthy, friend of the show. He's been on the show before. Very, very good guy. Jarrell, another fan asked me, you were down in Tampa Bay for a short time, but has he ever made it to Mons Venus? Have you ever been to Mons Venus? No, no, no. <laughs> no, look, I got to stay out the way, man. Listen, man, they, they, tell, they tell us when we first got out of there, man, you got to stay out. One of the places was like Dale Mabry. You got to stay off of Dale Mabry down there in Tampa, man. Just like a whole chain of strip clubs and everything like that. So, no, I've never been to Mons Venus. Um, you know, maybe I'll add it to the list or something like that. But <laughs> Don't tell your wife, though. No, no, no. no. I got to shut it down. You know, it, it, it's interesting because you've played all over the place, in cold places, warm places, and the game has changed. And with the speed of the game, even from 2010 to now, I mean, the game is more open. Uh, it's become more of an offensive game. Are you surprised that these wide receivers are getting the money that they're they're getting now and demanding these contracts before their rookie contracts are even over. They're going to go step in step with the quarterbacks. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the game is centered around the quarterbacks. Uh, so you either have to support the guys in which makes the quarterbacks great, or you got to make sure that, you know, the quarterback has the greatest offensive line in, in the world. So at the end of the day, these receivers, man, if they're out there, you know, going over a thousand yards each and every season, they're, you know, doing what it takes to make their quarterback get these uh, 150, 200 million dollar uh, guaranteed uh, contracts. I mean, I definitely want a piece of the pie. And so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that's how it goes on, you know, with defense, like defensive line and, and cornerbacks. I mean, you pay those guys premium dollars because they are paid to stop the quarterbacks, which is the highlight of the NFL. And at the end of the day, if I can go out there and get, you know, six, seven, eight, nine sacks. Um, I'm definitely going to be compensated for my work because it's a tough, it's a tough position. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's not guaranteed in order to get those uh, statistics. So, um, you know, receivers, everything has to go right in order for them to make the catches and, and get the stats that they, they, that they, uh, uh, that they accumulate. So they deserve to get paid. So I want to go back to Buffalo. There was an incident this year with uh, DeMar Hamlin, unfortunately collapsing on the field. And uh, uh, obviously the NFL had to change a lot of things around. But in terms of the approach of the way they handled that situation, now there's a shot that he said he's going to want to come back to play possibly this year. So what are your thoughts on those aspects of that situation that happened with DeMar Hamlin? Man, I think it, um, they handled that situation perfectly. I think you know, given uh, the, the facts and everything that took place, man, he was able to get to the hospital. Um, he was able to get resuscitated there on the field as well. 
uh, you know, and obviously talking with doctors, man, um, you know, the, the stats coming out that if he was anywhere else other than the NFL football field, then his life could have been in jeopardy. Um, just the amount of medical uh, staff that is allocated to one football game um, potentially saved his life, man. And so, I, I, um, you know, kudos to him, kudos to what he was, he's been able to do since his recovery. Uh, shout out to everybody that was been able to donate to his foundation because the things that, that people's lives that he's going to be able to impact from that is, is, you know, beyond football in itself. Coming back to football, we're natural born hunters. So it's, it's, it's natural for him to want to compete. Um, you know, and you pray that he continues to to ascend because, you know, he was moved into that starting role when Micah High went down and he was playing good football. Um, you know, he played under my my former defensive coordinator, uh, Pat Narduzzi with Pittsburgh. So um, I know he's a tough guy. I know Pat produces a lot of tough guys out there at at, uh, at Pitt. So at the end of the day, man, you know, kudos to him if he can make it back and, and, and have a full recovery. But you know, what he's going to be able to do off the field is is going to be light years beyond, you know, his impact on the actual football field. Before we let you go, my friend, uh, the last time we spoke, you were working for an organization. You were doing something with kids. Tell the fans, are you still working with that organization? And tell us a little bit about the organization you were working for. I am the CEO, co-owner of Metro 7. Um, we are a national travel 707 team. Um, we are... Uh, in the business of helping kids get recruited, helping kids get connected with coaches, um, understanding the the college business from NILs to uh, to interactions, to interviews, to what it takes to uh, walk on a college campus and and uh, and actually thrive. Uh, so we've been around about five six years. Uh, we are national qualifiers each one of those years. Um, we are probably one of the top twenty five, top fifteen seven oh sevens in North America, and so. We continue to produce great talent, and uh, you can follow us at uh, uh, you can follow us at youthsportspartners.org. Um, that's the nonprofit organization in which we are in um, in conjunction with, and uh, we just try to do our best to to give kids opportunities um, at the at the next level. Well, I I just want to let you know you're doing a great job. Um, I definitely want to come down there and check out your organization. Yeah, Maybe please, we'll do a live show. Yeah. Absolutely. This come summer. Absolutely. 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 You let get you guys down there for a tournament. Speed. You know what? Uh, Speedy will interact. You know, he'll, he'll uh, contact you after the show. Uh, Speedy does play by play. He's one of the best. I'm not lying to you. He is a fantastic play by play guy. Yeah. Maybe we'll go down there. I'll do the color. I'm crazy. Uh, Speedy does the play by play. We'll come down there and do play by play for your event. I, we would love to. Absolutely. There's a lot of talent down here, man, in Georgia. We, we invite everybody to come down here and compete, man. So, um, it's something in the water down here. I can't lie to you. <laughs> this wow. kids, man. This kids about three, about 13, 14 years old, six, seven, six, eight, walking around full beard. Like, yeah, coach, I'm 14. We know this Brandon is Jacobs is down there. <laughs> Brandon yeah. Jacobs moved down there, and his son is a big beast, a five star recruit. And this kid is going to be a top, uh, I've, I've heard. And uh, we have a bet. We have a bet, me and Brandon. So, yeah, yeah. uh, if the Jets have a better record than the Giants by the time they play week eight, he is okay. taking me and Speedy and his son out to a dinner and out to the Giants and Jet game. Now, if the Giants have a better record than the Jets by the yeah. time they play week eight or percentage, I have to take him and his son and Speedy out to dinner and take them to a Jet and Giant game. So it's going That's to be, be tough, man. Yeah. You got two good teams, mm -hmm. both, you know. One's a playoff team last year. I know the Jets are definitely going to be a playoff team this year. One quick question before Good. you go. Go. Do you think that there that there could be potentially three teams out that AFC East that make the playoffs? Oh, yes. I think the AFC East is 
the division that's going to have three teams coming out of it. I, I, I do. And it could be the Patriots, too. If the Patriots somehow yeah. show up, Macaroni Jones actually is in shape and makes some throws. Uh, <laughs> O'Brien is actually an offensive corner. You're going to have two, yeah. two defensive corners playing and, and calling the plays yeah. as the offensive coordinator. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think there will be three teams coming out of the uh, the AFC East, but also even the Baltimore division. Yeah. I mean, Baltimore, Cincinnati, the Browns, Pittsburgh. I mean, all four of those teams uh, got better this offseason. So anything – the AFC is absolutely loaded. So, yeah. yeah, I think one of those divisions is getting three. The other's going to get two yeah. in some yeah, combination. Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely believe it. Uh, Tua's got to come up. He's got to show up, deliver, man. He's got to he's got to make sure he stack on what he did last year and just stay out the way, man. He's got to <laughs> throw the ball away and slide. <laughs> Move, bitch, get out oh, the way. Yeah. That's what throw we are. Tyreek Hill knows how to get out of the way. He claims oh. he's faster than Usain Bolt. <laughs> <laughs> Little ludicrous. I, I should I should send that track to him. <laughs> Look, hey, for, real, hey, for real, every 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 game. Uh, Jarrell, you are awesome. We, we will talk to you. Speedy will reach out to you. We'll do something this summer. We'll definitely work with you. Uh, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll drive down or fly down to Georgia and do something with you guys. We would love it'll to. Be a, it'll be an awesome experience, man. Awesome. So we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Jarrell All right. Worthy, a friend of the show. Aaron Rodgers, Jarrell Worthy. Yes, uh, yeah, as he is worthy for Aaron. I don't know yes. if I don't know if the Packers are worthy enough for love, but you know. I don't know. All I know is you're going to get a lot of Aaron Jones this year. I'm sure we will. You're going to get a lot of Aaron Jones this year. Will he get any love? That's the question. He can put up LaDamian Tomlinson numbers, man. That's true. That's yeah. true. Jarrell Worthy, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Jarrell. All right, now. You guys have a good one, man. Speedy, bro, it's always a pleasure, dog. Yes. Thank you for joining us tonight. See, everybody loves you, Speedy. What is it? Is it your hair? Is it the beard? Is it the mustache? Maybe it's the smell. Maybe it's a potent smell. You smell him? I don't know. Because I smell That'd be pretty impressive if Jarrell could smell me all the way from Georgia. I I don't know. It's a potent smell. I mean, I sometimes hold my nose when I walk into the studio. I don't know. but yeah. uh, yeah. Thanks, Jarrell. Have a good night, fellas. Jarrell Worthy, ladies and gentlemen. So, that is Jarrell. We love him. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. (laughs) When we come back for the first time on the show, yes, I'm a Dookie fan. And Speedy told me we're going to get a Dookie on the show. And why not bring one of the guys that won a national championship in 2010? When we come back, we will be talking to Duke. National champion guard, Andre Dawkins, here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. Ooh, I'm just kidding, guys. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy, Petey. The number to call is 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all the shows throughout the week. They are live and in color, as Mr. Andre Dawkins is in live and in color as well. You can check it out throughout the week, including the Sports Lime Outs, which is live right now at 9 p.m., 
at Thursdays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Happy to be here. Listen to all the shows throughout the week. Check out the show column on our website. Fantastic shows. Over 1.5 million downloads on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, we're on every single platform. Check us out. Uh, Jarrell Worthy, fantastic, Speedy. He always is fantastic. Uh, yep. uh, second time he's been on the show, and, and I definitely want to go down, do some play-by-play with you. I know you love that, and you love kids. I, I love kids, too. I just, you know, with you, Speedy, you, you, you got to get that hair. You know, fix that hair of yours, man. We need to get him a haircut. Um, I just got a haircut. <laughs> oh, who, who the hell cut your hair, man? I mean, somebody needs to cut your hair better. Uh, maybe maybe I give you a crew cut or something. Oh, God. But you don't think I could be good? You don't I didn't think... say you. I don't want a crew cut. Uh, you look good with a crew cut. I, well, no, I, I wouldn't. Andre. I, think, I, I think wouldn't you... feel good with that. Well, I, you know, you need a crew cut in other places, you know. You know, we all know that. You know, the women know that, too. Anyway, No, they don't. <laughs> Y'all need a minute, man. <laughs> he does. I don't know about... I don't, I, he might. <laughs> oh, our second guest of the show. We are now talking to Duke. National champion guard, Andre Dawkins. Andre, what's up, bud? Uh, not much, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we're happy to have you on. I am a Duke fan, Coach K fan. I'm not a Shire fan, but we'll get into Shire because I know you played with Shire. We have a guy that's a big fan of the show that actually coached Shire in high school who absolutely adores him. I don't, but we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um before we get into the interview, how are you and your family doing? We haven't spoken to you. This is the first time you've been on the show. COVID-19 was crazy. It really screwed up a lot of things around the country. How did you deal with it? How did you and your family deal with it? Um, yeah, we, I mean, kind of just sat in the house all day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, went out for walks. Um, but, yeah, we just kind of hung out and uh, drank a lot more than we had, <laughs> uh, you know, in the previous year or two. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not a whole lot else to do. So, um, you know, we we found a bunch of new cocktails that we liked. Over I'm sure time. you did. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had our first son. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations, yeah, man. Uh, he's two now. So, um, yeah, we did it all, you know. Did we, you name him COVID? <laughs> we did not. We did not. No. Just kidding. Um, little Maverick. Um, little so, yeah, Maverick. we did it all. Right. We drank and had a baby, so. There you go, man. Drinking, yeah. having babies. I mean, that's that's the way of life. Maybe man. Maverick will be a future Dallas Maverick. There you go. Or maybe he's yeah, flying I'm, a plane. Maybe he's flying a plane. Yeah. Either or. Either or. I'm good with either one. There you go. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to Duke National Champion Guard Andre Dawkins. You know, Andre, in 2010, it was a season that a lot of people were questioning. And mm-hmm. you look at the roster, and it was a good roster. Nolan Smith, Seth Curry, this was a pretty good roster. It really was. And uh, John Shire was on this team. Uh, this was uh, a team that a lot of people questioned offensively. Kyle Singler was the best player on this team. Everybody knows what Kyle was doing. He was putting up the numbers. I, was a, I am a Duke fan, uh, but you were a freshman that year. 2009, 2010. And uh, going through that roster, nobody thought you were national championship worthy. But Coach K got you guys moving in the right directions. The second half of the season, you guys were playing unbeatable basketball. Tell us about that season. What was so special about that team in that season? Um, Well, I think um, we were – our main guys, you know, our, our top five guys um, were old, right? They were, they were juniors and seniors. Um, and 
I think, especially in college basketball, uh, in order to win, you've got to lose. And, um, you know, those guys did that. You know, John, uh, the seniors, they had lost in the first round. They had lost in second round. They had lost in the Sweet 16. Um, and so they understood what it was like to get to the tournament and come up short. Um, and, you know, they just had this sense of urgency um, that I don't, that's hard. It's hard to, it's hard to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had it. And because those guys had it, we all had, you know, mm-hmm. the whole team had it. Um, and so we had this unbelievable sense of urgency. Obviously the senior, the three seniors knew it was their last year. Um, and, you know, Kyle and Nolan had played with them for two years um, prior to that. And, you know, they had felt that heartbreak in the tournament. And you know, I think if you look at teams that win in the NCAA tournament, most of them have gone through something um, not so fun. Right. You know, recently, UVA, right, they lose in the first round as the one seed. Um, and then, you know, they come back and win. Uh, Baylor has some close calls, and then they come back and win. Had their noses rubbed in the dirt and mm-hmm. didn't like it. And, um, you know, we just had an amazing sense of urgency. And, you know, we never talked about um, winning a national, you know, winning a national championship. That never, that was never the, the thought. Um, yeah, it was never the thought. And, you know, to be honest, as a freshman, um, I don't know what the hell's going on. You know, <laughs> I'm just, you know, showing up to games and playing, uh, especially in the tournament. You know, it's like, oh, okay, we won. <laughs> and then okay we won again and you know we're moving on to the next weekend and it's like okay it's just kind of what happens and you know playing the sweet 16 oh we won again um <laughs> uh, and then oh we went now we're going to the final four and it's like i don't know we're i'm just special know, yeah just kind of along for the ride and so um that team had an ability to really just be in the moment and um we prepared really well you know anytime we had multiple days to prepare um you know, we were going to win the game. And so uh, we had a lot of faith in our preparation and, and again, just had that sense of urgency. So Coach K, like, what was it like playing for him both on and off the court? And also, is there something about Coach K that a lot of fans might not know about him? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think, like, what was surprising to me is, um, you know, I go home for breaks and things like that. And family members, you know, aunts, uncles, things like that, would say, does he ever curse at you guys? <laughs> and I'd be like, what? I was like, how, I was like, how is he getting away with this? You know, he, he taught me new curse words. That's kind of surprising. You know, he, somehow he, um, he comes off like he, he doesn't get very upset. He gets, he, he does get very upset. Um, you don't sound like you get very upset. You're very no, comic I try, collective. I try not to. I try not to. Um, <laughs> Ask the referees around here. Um, <laughs> since I've become a head coach in high school, they'll tell you a different story. But, uh, no, I try, I, try, I try to stay pretty level most of the time. As everybody knows, we are talking to Duke national champion guard Andre Dawkins. You know, what was it like being recruited by Coach K? I mean, this guy... Uh, loud, rambunctious. Everybody tells me uh, people that have known him, played for him over the years, have said Coach K is one of he's like a father figure. He's a guy that really stands out from all the rest. What was it like him coming into your living room and pitching Duke to your to your family 
that this is the school for you to go to? Um, well, funny enough, I don't, he never, never came to our house. Mm. Um, I was, I was committed before he had to do any of that. Uh, <laughs> so. so you were easy. Is that what you're saying? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, in eighth grade, we did a project on what school you wanted to go to, what college mm. you wanted to go to. I did do. Um, and so that was kind of, that was kind of my goal the whole time um, was to get, you know, recruited by and eventually go to Duke. Um, so, you know, it's funny. People always ask, um, well, what other schools were you thinking about? And I'm like, honestly, none of them really. Um, you know, I obviously had, you know, I kept my options open um, until I got, a, you know, the offer from Duke. And then, you know, it was pretty much over with, um, you know, for everyone else. So, no, he never made it to my house. But, I mean, it was it was cool. Um, just the whole recruiting process. Mm. Um, it's It's cool. And it was a relief to be done with it. Um, you know, summer going into my junior year, just not having to deal with the calls and the letters and things like that, um, you know, from a bunch of different coaches, especially, and, you know, I don't mean to sound uh, cocky here, but, just, you know, from coaching. Come on, like, sound at, cocky, man. No, give us no. some enthusiasm. <laughs> I, no. I want you, come on, come on, Andre. You, you're you know, yelling at these referees. You're yelling at these kids. Tell us with some enthusiasm. Come on. No, it's just, you know, it's just a lot, um, especially when you got – coaches calling from schools and you're like man i'm not coming to your school but you know you got to do the whole uh the whole song and dance yeah no you know coach that sounds great you know love what you're saying blah 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 like i'm never speaking to you again um (laughs) but yeah i mean it was cool like i remember uh after freshman year there was like a date in june where they could start calling you coaches could start calling you and so and we all knew the date and you know everyone was so excited i was out at a camp uh in st louis and the day was coming up and the day before the day, you know, the, mm-hmm. the phone, they could call on the phones. I lost my cell phone. So, I, you know, I was freaking out uh, like, oh, I'm going to miss all these calls. And, you know, they're going <laughs> to think I'm not interested. They're going to think I'm screening their calls or whatever. And, you know, just um, irrational 15 year old thoughts. And uh, so eventually found my phone, had a bunch of voicemails. Um, and then, you know, my parents told me uh, Chuck Drizell called at midnight right at midnight huh. called the house um just to say he was the he was he was the first one to call um, <laughs> so yeah recruiting was was very interesting so the duke north carolina rivalry thought of as one of the greatest in any sport it's actually one of the statistically closest if you look mm-hmm. at just head to head so as a player for duke what was that rivalry like uh, intensity wise just I the atmosphere hate the tar heels absolutely <laughs> Hate. I didn't even. I've never played for Duke. I I grew up a Bobby Hurley fan. I wasn't a Christian Leitner fan. I know a lot of people can't stand the guy. I, if you ever seen him for thirty for thirty, uh, but it, it was Bobby Hurley that really stood out to me. But I hated the Tar Heels. Absolutely can't stand them. Wearing that Jordan jersey everywhere they go. <laughs> that terrible baby blue white Michael Jordan jersey. It makes me sick. Okay, I'm just telling you. Um, yeah, I'm also not a fan of the baby blue, but um, it's funny you say that because I don't hate I don't hate them, and I think that's the same for most of us as players. It's more the fans that have like the real hatred for mm. each other, um, especially kind of a little before my your time generation mm-hmm. and past. 
Uh, and, you know, afterwards, everybody plays on the same teams. Um, everybody knows each other. Everybody's going to the same camps. Um, so it's kind of hard to, like, hate a guy that you've known. Like Kendall Marshall, I've known him since I was, like, eight, um, you know, from the same area. We played on the same AAU team um, when we were 16 and 17. So, you know, it's kind of hard to hate a guy you grew oh, up come with. On, man. You're crazy, um, man. Come on. But, you know, as far as the game goes, you know, it is um, – it's a, you know, it's a special game. Um, you know, I remember like my freshman year, I just asked Kyle, like, what are like, when we, cause the first game was at Carolina. I just mm-hmm. asked Kyle, like, what have, what's about to happen? Like, what are, what am I getting into? You know, he's basically just like, you know, it's, it's going to be intense. Um, and it is, you know, it is like, you can, you can feel it in the air. It's just, you know, it's completely different. Um, than any other game, you know, in Cameron, so, you know, it's a couple degrees hotter, um, you know, that crowd outside before the game is a little bit bigger. Um, you know, you can just feel that buzz and um, it's it's tiring. Like, I remember, like my first time in Cameron playing Carolina. Um, and, then, you know, it's at the end of the season. I've played, you know, most of the season. You know, I'm in good shape. I mean, I, I played like two possessions and I was gassed. <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? Um so yeah, it is. It's 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 different, and um, you know, it's it's always a lot of fun when you win. You get to get those bragging rights because um, we, you know, our guys spend a lot of time over in Chapel Hill anyway. Um, you know, on the weekends, Friday night, Saturday night. So it's always a little bit sweeter to go over there, having just beat them. Could you imagine Andre walking into a home trying to recruit a player and him all calm and collective? Listen, uh, you know, I played for the Duke Blue Devils in 2010. You know, I was coached by Coach K, you know. But guess what, you know, if if you come to my school, I will show you what it is to be like a team and win like a team. <laughs> you are so calm and collective. You know what I would do? I'd walk through the door. i open the door, open the screen, and say, listen, Ma. Listen, Mom, I I am a national champion, baby. I'm willing yeah. to take your kid to my school and help him learn how it is to play for a team, how it is to hate the Tar Heels, absolutely despise the Tar Heels. And as we wipe them all over the floor, you and your son and your family can enjoy such greatness from the D-U-K-E, Duke, Duke, Duke. That's all I would say. And that is Errol's impression of how he thinks John Shire recruits players. <laughs> well, he, first of all, John Shire did not recruit this class. It was Coach K that recruited this class. This was a very good, one of the best recruiting classes that Duke has had in 10 years, and he couldn't get out of the second round. So we will get into that right now. As everybody knows, we are talking to the Duke National Championship guard himself, Andre Dawkins. Now listen, I I love Duke, okay? Everybody says, what makes you love them? Bobby Hurley, Danny Hurley, these guys are names. These guys would have been great names to hire for Mr. Coach K to bring in and help recruit a great class and help coach a great class. When they hired John Shire, you know him personally, I don't. I was not excited about it. I really wasn't. I'm not saying he wasn't a good Duke Blue Devil. I'm not saying that he wasn't a great leader to you. I'm sure he was. Very nice. Sweet guy. 
you're a sweet guy. I mean, you both. I mean, you, could you imagine him walking into a, a, a nice home trying to sell the Duke Blue Devils? I, I wouldn't buy it, but that's just me. Um, what is it that Coach K loves about this guy? Is this guy the real deal? Tell us a story. What? what sell me John Shire, Andre. Sell it to me. Sell me John Shire. Um. Well, first, you know, I'll say this. I don't really think he needs to be sold. Mm. Um, you know, he's... Well, honestly, like, demeanor-wise, kind of similar. Um, and so, you know, I kind of understand his persona um, a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't... You know, he comes off... He's, he is really nice. He's a cool dude. Um, but he is... He's a killer. Um, you know, he's he's a hellacious competitor. And, mm. you know, it, doesn't, it may not look that way. Um, and, you know, he may not walk into a room and strike fear in anyone, but he is uh, he is a hell of a competitor. He's Ted Bundy. Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, in, in a more, <laughs> you know, uh, less murdery kind of way. Um, but, yeah, he he's, um, yeah, I mean, he... He's one of the, you know, he's one of the biggest competitors I've ever been around. I've been around, you know, some, um, some really great competitors. And, you know, I think you look at his senior season, um, him switch, moving on to the point guard. And I think he led the nation in assist to turnover ratio. Yes, he did. Um, and, you know, just leading that, leading that group um, to a national championship. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I remember uh, that year, it was back when blackberries were uh, popular. I'm dating myself a little bit. Mm. Um, but, you know, he, he he had a blackberry. I had a blackberry. So oh, you know, guys were had, sharing it, right? You yeah, guys were so sending texts we and all in, that other uh, stuff. You know, you, you could keep a status on your blackberry, uh, in your blackberry messenger. Mm -hmm. And we lost to Maryland at Maryland mm -hmm. that year. Um, and so we had 10 possible games left. Right. And... Uh, you know, we had the Carolina game. I remember that, in, by the way. Yes. Three games in the ACC tournament, mm -hmm. six games in the NCAA tournament. And, uh, you know, I remember he put on his status on BlackBerry, never losing again, um, <laughs> with 10 exclamation points. Mm. And we beat Carolina, takes an exclamation point off. So now he's got nine. We win the ACC tournament, three exclamation points come off. Um, and so that was... You know, you could just tell um, how focused he was on this, you know, this idea of just not losing any more games. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously it's a team game, but, you know, he's a big part of why um, we didn't lose any more games in 2010. And so, um, you know, I think, you know, he's a guy, you, you know, if you don't know him and you just look at him and you're like, you know, you may think one thing and, you know, I, I was like that too. And I came in as a freshman and I was like, man, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> not that I, not who is this guy, I knew who he was, but I was like, you know, I could, I could take this guy. And, you know, I soon, you know, found out very quickly, um, you know, why he was, why he was who he was. All right. Was, All right. You yeah. love him. You love him. No, yeah, I do. Hey, listen, I don't have a, you know, I got to. He should be, he should have hired you as his assistant brain. coach. You're selling uh, him right yeah. now to and me. There's still time. He should be hiring oh, you. Yeah, no, there's definitely still time. Um, should hire you, Mr. Andre Dawkins. Listen, if, if, uh, if a guy led, you know, led you to a national championship, you'd be a big fan of his as well. Mm, no.
I am a Duke fan. I am not a big fan of him. I only think there's a three-year plan for him. <laughs> yes. I, I, I'm predicting it, by the way. Three years, and he will be out. Maybe Andre will take over for the team. You can hire us as your assistant coaches. I will go into the houses. I will sell your team, your Duke Blue Devils. I'll bring Christian Leitner on one arm. I'll bring Bobby Hurley on the other. And Grant Hill, he can jump on my shoulders, and we'll walk right through the door. Hey, Mom, whatever, I've got Grant Hill on my shoulders. you want John Shire as the head coach of Duke more than three years. Oh, <laughs> Andre is selling Mr. Shire. Ooh, I'm liking this. As everyone knows, we are talking to Duke national champion guard Andre Dawkins. So I want to ask about like the NIL and college basketball now, like the impact that is having, especially you as a coach for high school basketball now. I'm sure you've seen that kind of impact be even in high school basketball across the country too. So how do you think it's going to change the game? What are some of the things that maybe these players should pay attention to? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's already changed it a lot. I mean, you know, you look at what Miami's done um, with NIL. Um, you know, LSU's another school, especially on the women's side. You know, they're doing a great job with NIL. Um, and you can kind of see the teams that are – the schools that are behind the NIL are behind in recruiting. Um, it's just kind of the nature of the beast now. I mean, even you look at, um, you know, Hunter Dickinson, uh, who just committed to Kansas – you know, came out and said, you know, I'm making less than six figures at Michigan, um, you know, which is like uh, definitely first world problems as a college student. Um, you know, I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at, uh, the second half of freshman year because I ran out of food points. So, um, you know, must be nice. I I think I'd have made a killing in Durham uh, with, the NI, with some NIL deal, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the nature of the beast at this point. Um, in Oklahoma, um, we like to do things uh, 20 years after the fact. So around 2040, we'll start doing NIL for our high school guys. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just something you got to navigate. And I think Duke, uh, you know, having that GM role, the GM of basketball role, um, is kind of ahead of the curve a little bit. And I know other schools have reached out to try and figure out, you know, what that role is doing and how it affects NIL. And so, uh, you know, my wife works at the University of Oklahoma in the athletic well, look at department. Her. Yeah, uh, got to marry up, got to marry up. Um, and, you know, so they're, you know, they're trying to figure out NIL here at OU and, and um, you know, trying to maximize that. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a massive part of recruiting. It's a massive part of college athletics in general, um, not just basketball or football, you know. It's, it's all across um, college athletics. So um, the sooner schools figure it out, the better they'll be in terms of recruiting. Andre, you grew up a Ray Allen fan. And uh, I was reading a little bit about you. Uh, you wore the number 20 until your senior year, and then you changed your number to 34. That was my number my whole life. Uh, I've That has been the number I wore in every single sport. It is my number. It's my favorite number. You ask Speedy, it is the best number. You know why? Because no matter what you do, 3 plus 4 is 7. 4 plus 3 is 7. It's lucky number 7, baby, and I don't even have to wear the number 7. So there you go. I sold myself. What was it like being a Ray Allen fan? What made you love Ray Allen so much? You know, I'm always drawn to guys who can shoot the ball. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's been my calling card since, um, you know, I was 14 or 15. And so, you know, I was always drawn to guys who can shoot the ball really well. Um, you know, big J.J. Redick fan. You mm. know, love Ray Allen. I love J.J. Redick. Um, yeah. Uh, so, you know, just 
all those guys I enjoy watching. Um, you know, even you know, as a pro, I like to go out and watch um, you know, the best shooters warm up. You know, I like to watch Kyle Korver and you know, going out and watching him warm up and Clay Thompson watching those guys and just seeing um, their routine and, and how you know how they got ready for games and things like that. Oh, you like their shimmies? You like both him and, and Steph Curry doing his little uh, little yeah, shimmy? I don't, uh-huh. I don't know if I don't know how much how much shimmy and I can get away with. Hey, you, you played with Seth. I mean, I, you probably met Steph. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know Steph. Steph's a good dude. Um, but you know, I, I'm, I'm gonna leave the shimmy and up to him. Man. All right, he, all right. So, he, so you don't have a shimmy? Uh, have you taught any of your boys a little bit of a shimmy when they score and they hit the three? Do you do like? Uh, do you teach him the Carmelo Anthony when you you put the three on your forehead? I mean, I've been watching R.J. Barrett doing it right now. I <laughs> could barely hit a three. I'm a Duke fan, so I'm not. I take shot at my Duke guys. Uh, he can't hit for three. Why doesn't he go to the hole? Come on, man. This guy is as good as anybody going to the hole and drawing fouls. Why is he shooting threes? It doesn't make sense. Tell me, coach. Tell me, uh, what is I RJ mean, doing wrong here? Uh, I mean, that's kind of the way of basketball, you know. Now it's just it's a lot of shooting threes. Mm. Um, Thank you, Steph. Thank you for ruining the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Steph. I mean, hey, listen, uh, it's worked out pretty well for him, I think. So uh, For him, not, not the NBA. Yeah. Well, hey, that's not his fault. Uh mm. You know, it's not his fault that everybody doesn't put in that kind of work. But, mm. um, yeah, I mean, that's just the way of the game. You got to be able to shoot the ball nowadays, whether you're six foot, seven foot. Um, you know, Eight foot bunch. Here I go. be able to shoot. So, um, yeah, mid-range shot is, is, is slowly, slowly dying away. Mm. Yeah, Errol's, uh, you're supporting John Shire and Steph Curry. <laughs> Errol's trying to have a hard time uh, trying to support this. <laughs> I'm well, losing it now. Steph, man, I'm losing uh, it. Seth, you know, Seth was in my wedding, um, so you know. By, all right, all right. By proxy, I got you know, I got. I, got I never said I didn't like Seth. <laughs> I like Seth. I, I I think I love his two way basketball. He plays good defense. That's something that Steph doesn't do. Uh, he could oh, he, no, he could shoot. Right. Hey, listen, come on. Let's be honest. I know you're. I know you're a Steph fan. I know it. Just watch watch the game. I, I, I listen. I'm a basketball fan, and I love. <laughs> I when Steph came out of Davidson, I loved Steph Curry. I loved it. So but what happened? Here's what happened, okay? He came uh, into the he, NBA. He became, he, he became less of an underdog. Not only that. He came into the NBA. His first five years, he couldn't stay healthy. Then he figured out uh, how to, you know, get stay healthy. And then mm-hmm. he starts shooting threes, and he wins the MVPs because he shoots so many threes. Mm-hmm. And when he hits these threes, he's doing these dances. When he gets angry, he takes out his mouthpiece. He's throwing it at people. He's throwing it at the referees. I mean, he's a sore winner and a sore loser i if he didn't do that and he just acted normal like some of the guys that we've seen like an andre iguodala who by the way i i love andre because he's not steph curry we all know how good steph is but andre he's a classy player when you see these guys like draymond green and clay thompson yelling at lebron james and yelling i'm not saying lebron james is classy either okay because he does his own flopping too but when, when you see these guys dancing around and prancing on, this is the game. This is basketball, okay? This isn't football. You're not Terrell Owens, okay? Come on. I, I just, I, I want to see class. And, and for some reason, over the last couple of years, not, not, not to attack Steph Curry as a player, because he's a fantastic player. I'm not saying he's not the greatest three point shooter to ever come out of the NBA. There's no question that he is. 
But uh, to compare him in, in the big games, in the playoffs, like we've seen Reggie Miller do it, or even Ray Allen do it, uh, Steph still hasn't shown me enough in the playoffs in a big game where they're going to leave it up to him to shoot the ball. Because when Kevin Durant was there, it was Kevin's It was Kevin's ball. It wasn't his. Now, he did win championships before, before. He won a championship before Kevin. And then he won one last year. But, again... I'm not going to say that Steph Curry isn't one of is one of the greatest shooters or one of the greatest players we've seen in in this era. I just don't like his antics on the court. And um, the one thing I could say about Steph Curry and what he did yesterday that I can I can give him a compliment for uh, before the game with the whole Jordan Poole thing, he kind of sealed that whole Jordan Poole thing. It wasn't Draymond Green and all that other stuff that. Uh, uh, Poole didn't want to talk to the press. He went out and he said, listen, Jordan has a right to be angry, and it's not just Jordan. We're not playing like a team, and that's why we're losing. When he said that, that's the Steph Curry I want to hear. I don't want to hear Steph Curry going out there shooting threes, and he's doing this little oh, doing his little dance, doing his little twerking and, and all this other stuff, and he's biting on his mouthpiece. I don't want to see that, okay? But that, as far as his talent... It's impeccable. There's nothing. There's nothing bad to say. I mean, the guy shoots anywhere on the court. I, I've never seen a guy shoot the way he shoots, uh, as good as he shoots. But uh, uh, Andre, you live in Oklahoma. I'm sure OKC fans are still scarred from 2016. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. By the way, I love Nolan Smith on that team. By the way, love Nolan and his Nolan. story with his father and everything like that. Love Nolan Smith. And by the way. Um, I know a little bit about your story and uh, you playing the way you did in, in 2009, 2010 uh, in that, that car accident that you dealt with. Uh, no, no, just an absolute horrific loss in your family. I mean, uh, for you to play and, and, and to go out there and do what you did uh, and then win a national championship uh, for your family, I, I mean, that, that's, that was a beautiful story, by the way. And I remember that. I remember that. And, uh, uh, the same thing with Nolan Smith celebrating uh, the the championship the way he did. I mean that sto- that storyline in 2010 with that whole Duke team when everybody w- everything was against you guys. Nobody thought Duke was going to win that national championship. That was probably and I'm not, I'm not throwing that was probably the I believe the biggest standout championship that Coach K ever won because I don't think Coach K thought that team was going to win a national championship out of all the teams and, and the championships that he's won with Duke. That team really shocked everybody winning yeah. a national championship. Kentucky was supposed to be the powerhouse yes. that year. Well, yeah, I mean, well, one thing was we were the best We were the best defensive team yes. in the country. Yes, 100%. Um, yep. And so, you know, we had a chance every night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to win those six games in a row um, – you know, it takes obviously a level of skill, um, and you got to get a little bit lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I felt like every night we had the better guards with John and Nolan. Um, and again, we were one; of, we were the best defensive team, so we were gonna. We, you know, you weren't really gonna blow us out. Um, and then, you know, in the Baylor game in the Elite Eight, mm-hmm. um, I remember that in, game playing in Houston. You know, not far from them. Um, you know, essentially an away game, you know, that's one, you know, that's, that's the game that we, you know, maybe should have lost. Yeah. You got um, lucky. You definitely got yeah. lucky in that and game. So, you know, I think every, every team every year yeah. has one of those games where it's like, Ooh, barely got through that one. And that was kind of our game. 
Um, I remember uh, there was a Baylor fan at the at our open practice the day before, just screaming the entire like we had a whatever it was hour fifteen practice the time we walked on the court <laughs> to the time we walked off the court um, yelling Duke Blue Angels. Um, <laughs> and, Duke Blue Angels. Yeah, Duke Blue Angels screaming at the top of his lungs. I was, it was like it was pretty impressive, honestly. Um, just you know the stamina to be able to do that for an hour or however long we were on the court. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the game where, um, you know, could have, could have gone either way. We ended up getting the win. That Baylor team was really, really good. Uh, you know, they had Lace Darius Dunn who ended his career as the leading scorer in Big mm-hmm. 12 history. Um, you know, they had Quincy AC was coming off a bench. Um, you know, they were super athletic, really good team. Uh, and then you know West Virginia did us a, did us a huge solid by beating Kentucky in the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that would have been a that would have been a rough one for mm-hmm. us, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, you know, playing John Ball, uh, Eric Bledsoe, and Boogie, um, that would have been a, that would have been a tough game. Mm-hmm. But you know, West Virginia did the, did our dirty work for us, and then um, you know. We were able to beat West Virginia and then Baylor, um, Butler, sorry. Um, you know, it was another away tough game, game, basically. Mm-hmm. Not a uh, tough game. Basically, an away game. You know, I think the building would have collapsed if Gordon would have hit that shot at the end. <laughs> oh, my um, God. I, I, my, my mouth dropped when he tossed that half court. <laughs> my mouth dropped. And when it hit that, when it hit the backboard and then the rim, I was like, oh, my God. That almost yeah. went in. Yeah. Uh, I, still don't, I still don't like watching the, watching the last no. Who does, man? I, mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't even on the team, and I probably was going to have a heart attack. I was screaming at the TV. You, I believe I was coaching that team during that <laughs> tournament. I was sitting there, and I was pacing, and I was like, oh, here we go again, here we go again. And it, it, to, to me, uh, watching Duke play year in and year out just gives me agita. It just gives me absolute agita. So I, I, everybody says, well, how did you become a Duke Blue Devil fan? Well, in the 90s, I fell in love with Bobby Hurley, and uh, there we go. I ran with it all the way through the 90s to now. I still root on Duke. I want Duke to win every single year. Uh, probably the most hated college team in professional sports. Oh, yeah. So, um, so for all the and – and a lot of people blame Christian Leitner, who – is probably the most hated college player in college mm-hmm. basketball history. And now everyone blames Grayson Allen. <laughs> yeah, well, he's another one that likes to kick people in the private areas. And trip people in other places. Yeah, you know, uh, he's good at that. So is Draymond Green. I mean, look, he made a career out of it. So <laughs> maybe Steph should have learned something from him. <laughs> the shimmy. Come on, do the shimmy, everybody. <laughs> Andre, we love you, man. Uh, keep up the good work over there. Uh um, I would love to come and watch your high school team play, man. I, I'm, I'm sure you're a great coach, and uh, you've learned a lot, I'm sure, from Coach K. Uh, hopefully you don't learn anything from John. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. I'm just, you know, I, I, I have to have fun, man. I mean, I, I just got to add a little bit of life here. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Andre, you're fantastic, seriously. And we really appreciate, appreciate your time. We'll, we'll definitely get you on uh, when Duke, uh, when the season starts. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what John puts together this year, hopefully a national championship. If John wins a national championship, I'll take back everything I say, okay? If he wins a national uh, championship. Well, I mean, you know, he – 
he I think they had a really good year. I think he did a great job. Mm. I think it could have gone off the rails mid year, um, and they kind of brought it back. Mm. I mean, you know, Derek not really ever healing fully from his foot injury. Did you see him itch, Speedy? You see him itch, Derek? He's trying to tell us something over there. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, he's having, you know, he's having to have another surgery. He never really fully healed from mm. his foot injury, um, and so you know, there were some extenuating circumstances. And I still think they had a hell of a year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, putting up a banner is always, of course, is always a, a good year. And um, just kind of ran into a buzz on Tennessee. Um, Did they ever? In terms of you know Tennessee playing well and then choking. No. Game wasn't called the best. It oh, it's the Waffleese. A, a, <laughs> a little more physical on one end, and you know I think it should have been. Um, but you know it, that is what it is. Like yeah, that's Tennessee, the third best that's, defense, that's very it, physical. Yeah, you know, kudos to Tennessee. That's yeah. how they played, and you know when you when you and this is this is not disrespect. Like when you foul every play, you can't call. They can't call fouls every play. So. Mm. Um, you know, just is what it is. Tennessee played a hell of a game. They had a guy step up and, uh, you know, hit a bunch of shots. Um, and you know, that's what happens in the tournament. You got, you know, you got to be ready for whatever. And they played a good game and knocked us out. But, um, you know, we've got a good class coming in. Uh, we were able to keep some guys. So, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about the direction the program's going in. I think John, uh, will continue to do a good job. I think the program's in good hands, and so I'm uh, looking forward to the future. Now, look at this. John's got a fan. John's got oh, a supporter. Yeah. John, John's got everything right over here. Yeah. Those dookies, man. Those dookies. <laughs> Anyways, Andre, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the time. You're, uh, keep up the good work of what you're doing right now. And, uh, you know, I, maybe I should write a letter to John and hire you as an assistant coach. I mean, we need, we need, some, we need some dookies on that, you know, on that bench helping out over there. I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Hey, John knows, John knows where to find me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Carlos Boozer. He still still has him in your contact info on his Blackberry. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You just hit me up on Blackberry. There you go. Do you have your old Blackberry? You should. I mean, I do. It's in a, like an old box, but you know, I I remember having that Blackberry and uh, remember the sidekicks when you flip them around. I had had one of those things. things. I I mean, come on, man. Hey, hey, how could you miss it? And then you have those stupid next L beep, 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 beep. John. I, I, I never, I never had the chirp. I never had the chirp. Oh, God. PB, John, 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 put, put this guy in. Put this in, John. John, put this guy in. <laughs> Andre, thank you, man. For sure. Thank you for having me on, man. Absolutely. Andre Dawkins, national champion, 2010 Duke Blue Devils, the John Shire, Nolan Smith, Duke Blue Devils, and yes, It's not that I take shots at John Shire, okay? I know a lot of people think that I hate John Shire. I don't hate John Shire. He played for my team. I just don't know if he was the right guy to take over for the greatest coach in college basketball history. Some people would say Wooden or somebody else or whoever. Smith, to me, he's the greatest coach in college basketball history. And to, to give John Shire the reins i don't know i i hope he he enjoyed that i he looked like he did well between uh between him and uh riley letter you guys certainly uh sold some dookies about your feelings of uh john shire i know he... and now you got a basketball one along, along with it i love it i love it you want to know something uh and tell no uh, first of all tell him 
we really appreciate him joining us. Oh, yeah. uh, send that to him. He was fantastic. I love kidding around. And by the way, Andre, and you can tell Andre, I was always I'm just kidding around. Um, do I think John Shire is the guy? I, I don't, but I, I love John Shire. I, 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 I'm not going to take away. He, want, he helped the Duke Blue Devils win a national championship in 2010. I can't hear Statistically, he was the leading scorer. He was. Yes. He was. And Nolan Smith was the second. So uh, I, I, I actually, it was Singler. I think Singler was like Singler by a was little second. bit. And like, then Nolan Smith. Yeah, 17.7 to 17.4, but very close. Yeah. Yes. And uh, Singler was the one that was drafted the highest. So Yeah, he was uh, because of his three point shooting. I think he was like, a, a top 10 fit. pick. Yeah, he was, a be- like, he was a better fit for the NBA, they were thinking at the time. Yeah. But uh, we really appreciate Andre and tell him, seriously. I, I, I know he's a busy guy. And, and we would love, tell him, we would love to come down and, and have a chance to check out, you know, high school, maybe interview some of the kids. Uh, love it. He, he was fantastic. He really was. Andre. Dawkins, Duke Blue Devil. Anyways, um, so we did the NFL uh, schedules release and everything. That was most of the show. Could Giannis be traded this offseason with the Bucks firing Budenholzer? Uh, you know, it is so interesting. And a lot of people would sit here and probably argue that this, this particular team uh, in Milwaukee uh, looking, and I heard they're, they're – Talking to Kenny Atkinson is—is is that who they're talking to right yeah, now? Yeah, which would be—it should be a very good hire too. If you want, I mean, I don't think I don't know if he's as good as Budenholzer. Budenholzer was a very good coach too, but I mean, if you're going to replace him right away. He's not far behind when it comes to at least uh, statistic, uh, statistically an X's and O's. No, and and I think that when you look at the pig, the big picture right now, I almost said pig picture, but the big picture right now. Uh, there's a lot of questions to this team and this organization. I, I mean, firing Budenholzer after winning a championship a couple of years ago was a shock. It was a shock. And ESPN's uh, Brian Windhorst reported that there are problems looming over the Bucks, And an unknown future of the team financially was a big reason that previous owner Mark Lassery sold his stake in the team to Jimmy Haslam, who also owns the Browns. Mike Budenholzer was fired by the Bucks after five years as the head coach of the Bucks, a coach that Giannis had great respect for. Giannis has two years remaining on his contract. He will make $45.6 million uh, this season and $48.7 million next season. He also has a player option in 2025 for $52 million. Chris Middleton also has a player option for $40.3 million this season. If he takes that, the Bucks would only be $4 million under the luxury tax. Giannis had a Twitter post Tuesday saying, I'm tired of the disrespect. I'm coming. This tweet features a photo of him sitting alone. Giannis also called the Bucks losing to the number eight seed Heat not a failure in his exit press conference. Here's the thing here. Budenholzer is a free agent right now. The New York Knicks could part ways with Tom Thibodeau at the end of the season, no matter what happens. And I think the Knicks have gone as far as Tom Thibodeau could take him. This is the truth. I predicted that Tom Thibodeau was going to be the coach a couple of years ago. I wrote a story about it a year before it even happened. And I, I, I love Tom Thibodeau. But for some reason, with this team, and this is a young team, he doesn't work very good with youngsters. 
He's never worked good with youngsters. And everybody says, well, what did he do with the Bulls? The Bulls had one of the best young, talented teams in the NBA. And he ran Derrick Rose to the floor. He ran Jimmy Butler to the floor. Remember, he's the one that helped develop Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose. All the injuries that we saw with the Bulls all those years, and the furthest they ever went was the Eastern Conference Finals. One year. When? They played the Miami Heat. And Derrick Rose completely got shut down. And that was the year Derrick Rose won the MVP. I don't know if Tom Thibodeau is going to take this team to the promised land. I think the Knicks are a player away. If Giannis does become available this offseason, the Knicks have the money. They have the draft stock, they have the youth, the young players, and even players that you can trade away, like Randall, who's going to give you 25 and 10. He's a player that you could definitely move from the Knicks. And and maybe an R.J. Barrett and a couple of you know first-round draft picks. The Knicks have seven in the next four years. Maybe that's the route the Knicks go. You bring in a superstar to play with Jalen Brunson. You build around that. You keep one of these youngsters quickly. Obi Toppin or even Grimes, you build around that, the youth of this team. That's the way the Knicks need to go. And, and how do you draw Giannis to want to come here? You bring in Budenholzer. He respects Budenholzer. Budenholzer comes from the San Antonio Spurs. This guy's a winning coach. He's won a championship. He is one of the best defensive minds in all of the NBA. Something that the Knicks have had problems in this series on the perimeter against a team that has a bunch of G League players on it. Yeah, Boonholzer getting fired was surprising in itself, but now Giannis obviously coming out and saying saying some of the things he's had, uh, tw- the tweets, all the other stuff, the post-media press conferences. Definitely something that's unlike him because he's always been one of the more humble superstar players in the league, obviously with his background coming from Greece as well, too. And it, maybe this is his first, like, maybe real force of power of this. I mean, some of it right now, most of it right now seems to be internal with the Bucks, but the Bucks are in a tricky spot because of the way they are financially, giving a lot of big contracts to some veteran guys. Drew Holiday, who's an older point guard, I think 33 years old. Brooke Lopez, who's an older big man. They're both good players, but they're both kind of traditional type for their position, which is not the way the NBA is going right now. Traditional centers and traditional point guards are not really a, uh, a an art that's as prominent anymore. And they're giving a lot of money, so their depth kind of, it didn't drop off badly, but it still dropped off a little from their championship team. And now the, if they're going to be able to keep Giannis, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to be able to maneuver that money to make it work because obviously you want to keep your superstar player happy maybe this is a way of doing it but if you like Boonholzer there and you can get rid of him there's definitely possibly tension involved there's always tension when you have your superstar player complaining or even posting up twitter you know feeds stating that you know and he has a picture of him sitting alone now this doesn't mean that Giannis wants out of Milwaukee if there's any player that has any kind of respect for their team it would be Giannis with Milwaukee. What Milwaukee did for Giannis, drafting him in the top 15. If Giannis didn't get drafted in the top 15, if you know the story, Giannis probably doesn't ever play in the NBA. He probably goes and plays pro in, you know, in Brazil or wherever he goes, in Spain. He probably never steps foot on an NBA floor. The fact that Milwaukee took a chance with him and then... Uh, developed him the way they did, and and they brought his family here, and then help you know help his family find a home, and made sure that he was taken care of. Is it, it's it's really an amazing story. If you haven't checked it out, go on Disney Channel uh, or the Disney app and and go check out the story. It is an amazing story. It really is. And 
And I, I don't see Giannis walking away like this unless the organization thinks that the they can move on from him and, and build from trading him. That's the only way I think this happened. The, the player that I think could be very much available in play is Luka Doncic. Yeah, it is. Because Jalen Bronson is a is, – first of all, he's a big fan of. He played with Jalen Brunson. He thought that Mark Cuban made a big mistake letting him go and not extending him uh, at the time that they could have extended him. And he he even said he was the life. He was the heart and soul of that Ma- Mavericks team when they went all the way to the Western Conference last year, finals, and made a run for a championship. And the fact that Mark – you know, Mark Cuban made a trade and brought Kyrie Irving in, and now Kyrie Irving doesn't even want to be there, and there's nothing there right now. And even if they get a lottery pick and they get a top-five pick, it's going to take a while for this kid to develop. It, it's, going to, it's going to be another losing season next year unless they make a trade or they bring in guys in free agency. And how many free agents are out there that is worthy to bring in and give them a big contract? I don't see that many. So right. it could be another losing season for Luka. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for Luca to demand his way out of there and and Dallas to rebuild because they they need to rebuild that team gave up a significant amount when they traded for Chris Depp's Porzingis and um the Knicks do have their first round draft pick that is not protected next year because it was protected this year so uh, I think that the the Knicks have enough to make a move for Luca so I think it makes more sense for Luca than it does for Giannis yeah but Luca is also in that same situation too where like Giannis he really hasn't had that kind of player power yet he's another guy that's international so obviously I mean he was a top five pick so he was supposed to be this type of guy that professional right away I think he played with uh he was a team coached by Pau Gasol or something like that so he had a background of it but still another guy that really hasn't gotten his way when it comes to like bringing it in Kristaps Porzingis yeah he had a little bit of a connection with playing internationally but that was really it Kyrie Irving I think was more of a Mark Cuban flashy move I don't think that was really a Luka Doncic type thing and obviously did not work there they collapsed they now they might get caught for tanking who knows but I don't think Luka Doncic has really ever had that power and he's stuck on a team that really because Mark Cuban had some bad contracts got cash strapped for a while so they weren't able to build depth and then they traded some depth to get to get Kyrie Irving so that now that a lot of that's gone too so mm-hmm. you're left with Christian Wood and Tim Hardaway like these are they're okay players but they're not like stars that can help you win a championship so I can't blame Luka for trying to get out of that as much as Mark Cuban wants to say he's a good businessman I mean running a basketball team he hasn't been the greatest all right, who do we have on the phone? We got Jeff. Jeff, what's up, bud? Call 911. Well, Kevin Durant is being murdered. <laughs> Why do you say that? He's down 30 at halftime. Oof. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, why is it the game on speedy? It's 81 to 51. Put the game on, Speedy. What Oof. are you doing? I'm trying to figure out what... Uh... It would be on 39, or it would be on Channel 7. It'd be on one of those channels. There it is. 36. Oh, the halftime. 81-51. Yeah. Wow. Well, I I expected the Nuggets to win tonight. I knew they were going to eliminate the Suns. Losing Chris Paul for the series really affected them. You lose a team leader, a facilitator at the point guard position. And and Kevin Durant right now, he has had a very good series. I don't know if you – I know you don't like Kevin Durant, uh, but he's had a good series. I just don't. Thank I like the, Kevin Durant. I really like Kevin Durant. Well, you you you, you I, seem to I, take shots I, at him. Not. I think he's the second best power forward in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm thinking he would say that. By how the way, was, how was how was that hating on him? But like, I don't understand how I don't understand how saying he's a top two power forward in the NBA is hating on him. If, if, if I told you you were top two in anything, you'd be like, "Wow, that's pretty good, right?" 
I, I think he's better than top two. He can't stay healthy, but if he's 100% healthy, he's just as good or better than Jason Tatum. And for you to think that he's not. Which he never is. Which he never is. Oh, okay. Well, whatever you say. He would have been first How team if he didn't Tatum get hurt. been in the league. What, what are you talking about? The, Tatum's been in the league for seven years. Right. And uh, what was it? Five years ago, he snapped his Achilles or whatever? Yeah, the 2019 NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. It wasn't five years. It was a couple of years ago. It was the Toronto. It was the it's, Toronto NBA. It's more than a yeah. It's more than a couple. Four years ago, in Brooklyn for it was four three, years he was ago. in Brooklyn for three years, wasn't he? It was four years ago. It was the 2019 NBA Finals against Toronto, and then yeah, yes, he had a he he had missed that entire first season with Brooklyn because of that, and then he had a couple injury issues in Brooklyn too, but those were mostly minor. But even so, like he's yeah, he hasn't had a full season. I will say there, this: so. Jason Tatum had a fantastic fourth quarter. You were. Uh, I before we had you on, you were like, "Ah, oh, Jason Tatum, this team's going to lose." Blah 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 blah. If you had, if you had watched that game, honestly, I did watch that game. We watching it. Uh, yeah. the, the, zombies. The Celtics looked like zombies. They had Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon keeping them in that game. Oh, and by the way, Robert Williams. What a game from Robert Williams. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, by the Honestly. way, James, James Harden's got to stop shooting those threes. He was horrible. The last four minutes of that game, they were up in that game with four minutes left, and then James Harden's tossing up three after three after three. He stinks. Did you, did you see the Harden stat tonight? Oh, he stinks, man. No, no, no. Did you see the Harden No, stat I haven't looked at Harden's it. Stat. I haven't looked at the, it, no. Tonight, James Harden had his first dunk since uh, October. How wonderful. <laughs> How wonderful. What a great stat. Mm. Well, he, he, he finally got his lane, driving to the lane dunk after not compla- after just complaining about a foul that he probably this, didn't cause. What is this Kim Kardashian commercial? I mean, I haven't seen it yet. Brilliant, brilliant game by the Celtics, though. Robert Williams was the key. They were plus They were plus 18 with him on the court. They were minus 18 with him off the court. Mm. There is a story coming out from Boston. Multiple sources believe the Celtics could move Jalen Brown if they lose their second round series against the 76ers, Brown is eligible for a super max contract after making second team all NBA this year. That contract would be worth five years, 295 million. Jason Tatum is also eligible for a super max contract after making first team all NBA, which would be worth five years, 318 million. Both Tatum and Brown were playing on a rookie scale contract, similar to a contract of RJ Barrett, who signed with the Knicks in this off season. Brown was worth 28.5 million per year and Tatum worth about 32.6 million per year. Brown said he was frustrated uh, with a lack of opportunities after the Celtics in Game 4 loss against the 76ers. Tatum has averaged 20.6 shots attempts per game in the playoffs, while Brown has only averaged 18.1. Brown also mentioned in an interview uh, with The Ringer um, about a month ago, I will stay where I am wanted. So there you go. I, do I think Jalen Brown could be traded in the offseason? If they don't win this year, it, it doesn't seem like they're going to win. So I, I – whoever – I don't know. I don't no. – I, they can get past the Sixers. They got a pretty good shot. Oh, they have a – if they get past the Sixers, depending on who they play, Miami or the Knicks, I, I It'll think – It'll be Miami. It probably will. But it, 
if they play the Knicks, it could be a very interesting series. I still think the Celtics are the better team. They've been they've been there before. Whoever they play, and I don't think Miami's that good anyway. So uh, what they're doing to the Knicks is the Knicks can't rebound, and that's been a big problem the second half of the game. Offensive rebounding, which has been their strength all season long. So, uh, and I don't see the Knicks beating the Heat tomorrow in in Miami. So I, I predicted they were losing in six. So I think that's where it's going, but. Um, I think if, let's say, Jason, and I, I don't, I, I believe that if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum doesn't win this year, they've been to the finals, this would be the second year in a row they go to the finals and they they lose whoever they play, and maybe it's the Nuggets, and they lose against the Nuggets. Honestly, the Brad Stevens. Denver, Denver or who? I think it's going to be Denver. Whoever whoever wins this series. What happened? Play. I it de- it depends. It's either the Lakers or Golden State, and I I I think I I think it's going to be the Lakers too. I think it's Denver and the Lakers, and I if the Lakers get out against Denver's Denver, I I think I think whoever comes out of the West is going to win. That's just my opinion, and I I think Denver is the team to beat because of what they've done all season long, and they're they're actually healthy. Murray looks like he's healthy. Porter. Looks like he's healthy. This team has been healthy for the first time in two years. Oh yeah, uh, they're playing. They're playing great basketball. They really are. And I, I just, I, it's going to be very hard to knock off Denver. But if Boston don't win this year, I, I could see them moving Jalen Brown. He's going to want a super max contract. Are they willing to give him two hundred ninety-five million? Or maybe you trade him. You get some. You get a piece, a pretty good piece back, and and you you move on with Jason Tatum in that piece. I mean, if Luka Doncic becomes available in the offseason, maybe Boston says, you know what, we trade Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and somebody else, and 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 try to make a move for a Luka Doncic, and you have Luka playing with Jason Tatum. I mean, that could happen. They have to try to keep Jalen Brown. You can't. You don't just trade second team. Like the only first team guys, second team guys, third team guys you're trading uh, is Kyrie Irving because he's a cancer. Like he's just. I don't. You know. I don't think that's unfair to say he's a cancer. Like nobody wants. Like Dallas was probably going to make the playoffs. They trade for Kyrie Irving and they went straight into the shitter. Like I don't think it's crazy. Like you got to resign Jalen Brown. They're, 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 Jalen Browns just don't grow on trees. And nobody's saying that they are, but if you can get Luka Doncic and, and he can help you move forward in the Eastern Conference, I, I think I, I, I don't know about that because there are stories coming out from the Mavericks that he doesn't want to be there anymore. He's had problems with Mark Cuban. People have said he doesn't like the coaching staff. He's not a big fan of Jason Kidd, and he has nobody. He has nobody. This organization, they they might have money if Kyrie Irving leaves, and he looks like he's going to leave. Uh, but who's a free agent this year? And what do they have to trade if they need to trade somebody to bring in a player? They don't have anything. The only piece that they have that they can move to get a lot back for him is Luka Doncic. And I'm telling you, I, I, I could see the Celtics looking at Luka Doncic if he becomes available. I could see the Knicks doing it. I could see a lot of Eastern Conference teams, including the Atlanta Hawks, uh, that uh, have a tremendous amount of player stock. And, and, they, and Trey Young doesn't seem like he's the guy. He's the same guy that they traded for in the draft. Why not bring Luka Doncic over there to Atlanta uh, to help Atlanta out with the team that they have over there? Anything is possible. And I don't think Luka is staying there with Dallas. I really don't. 
Jeff, I, I I don't know. You might know this better than me being the guy that watches the Celtics more often. It didn't seem like there was also any tension with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, like individually together either. Like I think what Jalen Brown, the comments he made was more on the front office more than anything else. Cause it didn't seem like they were having any issues. And sometimes it looks like they are. And like nights like tonight, they were laughing and hugging and all kinds of stuff. And you know, it, it, you know, sometimes they just look disconnected, but other times they look like best friends. So I, I couldn't even give you a straight answer whether they hate each other or like each other. But, you know, it's 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 weird. The relationship is weird. It's also one that's pretty close for a while, too, because they were just both just the draft apart, too. It's not like you're bringing in a veteran guy that's playing like with like Errol like will say, like a Luka Doncic playing with Kyrie Irving that are eight years apart. When they come Here's to another draft, guy that so. could be available, available in the offseason. Giannis. He could be available this offseason. Going anywhere. He's no walking through. Uh, I, I know that's what everybody is saying, but uh, again, Gian, what is Giannis doing? I mean, Drew Holiday's getting older. Chris Middleton is not the same player. He has knee problems. This is not the same team they were three, four years ago. And Giannis wants to win again. And I don't know if he's going to win with Milwaukee. And Budenholzer was a, a coach that he absolutely adored, absolutely loved, and now he's gone. They fired him after five years, and Giannis didn't want him to be fired. So, uh, yeah, but, that's a, but that's a team like I agree with you on Middleton, but that's a team that has all the ancillary pieces to be good. Right. Like they have like the, the Brooke Lopez's and and those kinds of dudes. They have the um, who's the white kid from Boston there. It's uh, Pat Connaughton. Right. Oh, yeah. Like he's a good guy to come in and play. Right. Like if they just replace Middleton with someone that's going to show up, you know, like some halfway decent free agent. I don't know. I think you could replace, a, you know, you're going to laugh. But I think they could replace Middleton with, like, Tim Hardaway Jr., mm. and they'd be a contender. Like, they only need to replace that one piece, and they're right back in it. Because, really, it's just been Middleton being out that's cost them. I don't know. I, I think Milwaukee is is starting to break and, and fall apart. That's just me. I know they ended the season in first place. But when you get eliminated in the first round the way you did against Miami and get embarrassed – I know everybody keeps saying Giannis wasn't healthy. I mean, he was putting up numbers, and and Miami has figured them out. Giannis in the playoffs has had problems with Miami. They keep him on the perimeter. They make him shoot the ball. They make him uncomfortable going into the paint. That's the way you stop Giannis, and I think Miami has been unbelievable in the last two years against Giannis in the playoffs. So I just – I don't know. I, I think I think a lot of this year is why you seem like, and I know people are going to complain about it, and you're going to say take money away from people because that's what your solution was before. But I think this is why you see load management during the season because it is a long season. Mm. People do get bumps and bruises, and and got, there were a lot of people that weren't healthy coming into the playoffs, and this is why this is why you see load management mm. because everyone needs to be healthy, otherwise. People like yourself go, oh, they're falling apart. I mean, did you see that fall Giannis took yes. and landed on his tailbone? That yes. was terrible. Hey, listen. You know, like Middleton is hurt a lot of the time. That's why you, you need load management because you're going to complain that you can't see them during the regular season. But then you're also going to complain that they're all hurt. If, if it's your team, I'm not saying Milwaukee is, but if it's your team, you, you complain, oh, that's what, a, what a terrible job. They didn't keep him healthy for the playoffs. That's exactly my gripe with the Bruins this year. Mm. What were they doing? They should have sat a lot of those guys. Yeah. You know? Mm. And, and, and so I know that you, you hate load management, but this is why you see it.
And also the Knicks, too. Look at the, end of the injuries they had at the end of the season. So too, look what they're doing. Look what yeah. they're dealing with in the playoffs right yeah. now. I right. mean, quickly he's hurt. He's probably not playing. Uh, Fournier, they wanted to bring in for the, uh, game game number, I think, five. Uh, he was hurt. He, he's not. He can't play. They have, have they have a tremendous amount. I mean, you look at Robinson. Robinson's limping everywhere he goes. I thought he was hurt in game yeah. three, and then there was no injury report. He, Sorry, no, he, he's got back problems yeah. since the Cleveland series. Uh, and he, but it, isn't but isn't this playoffs exactly the case that? I, and look, I know that you don't like it, but isn't it exactly the case for load management? I, again, we we watched the '90s of basketball and what these guys were dealing with, and Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Larry Bird. Yeah, but it was a different time. I know that, but you, di- you're you're right. You had Shaquille O'Neal, you know, throw people in the second level. You had you had Charles Barkley kick you in the you know the ass when you're flying in the air. I mean, I, I saw so many crazy things in the '90s, and 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 these guys played 82 games, and now you have these guys like LeBron James sitting out 20 out of the 82 games, or you know, I, I just think you're. An NBA player, people are paying to see you play, and because of managing the players for the playoffs, that's that's the way you're going to sell it to the fans. You, you want to be ready for the playoffs, but even these guys missing 20 games of the season, they can't stay healthy. So that's right. that's a problem. Well, that's because they need to push their bodies so hard to even be in shape to play these other guys that are so extremely in shape. Uh, but, you know, like, it, it's too much work. It's too much load on the body, dude. You can't be in the gym every day putting up shots and then going to the gym lifting weights and getting ready and not think it doesn't take a toll on your body. They're not machines. Mm. The other thing that's been an issue in recent years has been usage rate, too, for a lot of these players. That's why you've seen guys like Russell Westbrook not be able to age as well as he could have, too, because he was being used so much. After Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City, he was like ball handling pretty much every time. Now you're seeing some of those issues with James Harden as well, especially in the playoffs last year. And some games in the playoff this year. Granted, he's had his big games too, but something like that. And even now, Luka Doncic as a younger player too. When Kyrie Irving was hurt, and when throughout the, his years when he's had all these injuries, it's just not a lot of talent on that team. He's had to do a lot, and it, it hasn't taken a big toll yet, injury wise, but definitely could down the road. And by the way, even if they were machines, think about all of these players like your daily driver car. You can't just drive that car every day and do no maintenance on it. You still need to change tires. You still need to change the oil. You still need to do things. There's maintenance to be done. And I think, and dude, you should know this if you work out, rest is a huge part of keeping your body like in like just even in shape you need well, rest. Well, you're absolutely right. And you're absolutely right and I believe 24 hours every you shouldn't be working out every single day. You should be working out every other day, especially if somebody like me who doesn't believe in protein or natural protein from chicken or tuna fish or whatever you eat. But they have to work out every day because like just think of what a schedule is. Do NBA NBA teams play what? 3 times a week? Something like that. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes yeah. twice. Yeah. Right, right, but they're but in between they're practicing to get better, so they are working out every day. Um, you need rest days in there, like because practice is just important. Don't give me no Allen Iverson rant, Speedy. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Right, but like the practice, practice? is just as important. Who needs practice? <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like you got to practice. You got to be on the same page. Can you imagine how good do you think the Jets would be if all they did was practice? Uh, once a week and then show up on Sundays. Oh, you would be irate that they're not practicing every day to get better. Well, let's just hope that they are practicing. Please. I'm just, I'm I know, just using I know, that as the I example. Know, that's, I know. that's not a shot at them. I know, whatever, you, I know. You would be irate if they were like, oh, we're just going to get together on Wednesdays. 
see what happens on Sunday. Well, Kyrie Irving was practicing. He was just doing it all himself and not oh, doing God, it with please. the team. <laughs> please. He had right. Steve so Nash. So they are working out every day. That's why load management is part of it. And, and, you know, you can't help it. People tweak hamstrings. You know, you get calf strains. You get pulled muscles. You get bumps. You get bruises. Like, load management's part of it, dude. Steve Kerr called out Lakers for flopping after game four. Uh, to the Lakers saying, I give the Lakers credit for the plays they've been able to sell. The Lakers had 20 free throws in game four, while the Warriors had 12. The Lakers also had 20 more free throws attempts than the Warriors did in game three as well. LeBron responded by saying, we're just not a team. That goes out there looking for flopping opportunities. That's just not us. It's actually never been any team I've played for in the last 20 years. Senior NBA insider for TNT and Bleacher Report, Chris Haynes, also said he got a text from an anonymous Lakers player that said about Kerr, let them bitch and complain. This shows weakness. The Lakers lead the Warriors three games to two and are expected to have Anthony Davis healthy for Game 6 in Los Angeles. The Warriors haven't won a road game in in this series and are 2-4 and four overall in the playoffs. If the Warriors were to lose, it would be the first time since Steve Kerr has taken over a coaching coaching the team that they wouldn't win at least one road game in a series. What were you saying, Jeff? Bullshit that LeBron says that he doesn't look for flopping I know. opportunities. We all know he's the king of flopping. It's bullshit. We all know that he's the king of flopping. He's He really has changed the game for flopping. Just as much as uh, I've been saying Steph Curry has ruined the game for shooting threes. So I think that when you look at the age of basketball and the flopping game, I mean, James Harden's the, the king of flopping. Oh, yeah. For the 76ers. That and getting away with traveling. <laughs> That too. By the way, LeBron I mean, I James. Think, I don't think Steph Curry's ruined the game though. He's dude. He is the ultimate weapon. He can make a shot from anywhere. The <sighs> problem is that he is such an unbelievable weapon that everyone else wants to try to emulate his game, and they're not Steph Curry. Well, and, no. and so they don't. And they don't shoot it at, at his clip. Well, yes right? and like no, though, Jeff, because, yes, they're going to try to emulate his distance, but the team the team strategies aspect has also changed, too, where you're not having these dynamic backcourts as And much. it all started with Steph Curry. Well, yeah, but they, they also have guys that are taller shooting threes, too. Look at your Celtics, for example, Jeff. Like, they're prioritizing the wings, these taller guys that are shooting more in comparison to these bigger backcourts. <laughs> Jeff, now, comments. We don't have any, to- uh, like, I mean, we don't have any wings shooting three-point. Uh, Tatum's a freak, and he's 6'10", so fine, but Durant does that, too. And right. Horford. Other than that, it's all tiny dudes shooting the threes. Brogdon is small. Smart is small. Derek White is small. Uh, Brown is. Uh, do you I know, Jeff? Do you know, Jeff? Shooter. Jeff, do you know that the Knicks shoot the least amount of three pointers a game, which is like twenty four, twenty five, and the the most in the NBA is like thirty eight, thirty nine. Which, if you remember, when Steph and it all changed when Steph Curry that year, Steph Curry. Clay Thompson in the first time they won a, na- the, a championship when they shot, I think, what was it? What was the number? Like 95 more threes than any other team throughout the season in the NBA. It, it changed the game because if you look at it, if you, if you look at statistics, if you're shooting 35 threes and you're making 20 of them, 
You have a better chance of winning if you're going up and shooting perimeter shots 40 times because you're getting one extra point. If you do the math, it makes sense. And that's what they did. They changed the game. If they did that in the 90s, if you if you saw like Larry Bird and that Celtics team shoot threes the way they did, how about this? If Michael Jordan just decided to just shoot three after three after three like he did against Portland when he had the flu, the, the Bulls would have never lost. They would have never lost. They would have won 10 championships in a row. So, But that's just the evolution of the game. Yes. Because one of the best three-point shooters in the world was Larry Bird, mm-hmm. right? But they, but, but was that, the brand, that brand of basketball, that. that brand of basketball was still tied to like the old days where it was get into the paint, make buckets down low, take mid-range, because they're a higher percentage shot. Mm-hmm. And so like it... It wasn't until they studied like the analytics on the whole thing that it's become like that. And by the way, you also have to have the personnel to be able to do it right. because we're talking about Steph. But honestly, Clay Thompson is is uh, I don't want to say just as good, but he's pretty much just as good. Clay Thompson's a great player, and and he's not been the same player since he tore his ACL and then tore his Achilles. He's not the same shooter. People say the way he, he releases the ball now, he had the fastest release in the NBA. Everybody was talking about Steph. This guy had the fastest release in the NBA. He just doesn't have to jump on his shot anymore. It, it doesn't come off right. And that's why he's not as prolific as an offensive player as we remember him. He'll be much better. But he'll be much better next year. This is the – like – you should know. Coming mm-hmm. off an injury, people kind of mm-hmm. are scared to do as much as they were doing before because of the injury. So give them, give them, you know, the off season. Let them get more comfortable with it. He'll be much better with it next year. But honestly, he's just as good a, a shooter as Steph. Like that's what I'm saying. You need the personnel, and not everyone has that kind of talent. That's why it's not working. But everyone still wants to be able to do it. Stuck says LeBron loves flopping as much as the Beeve loves coleslaw or Nithin loves EJ Perry. Uh, Stuck also says Al Horford has been horrible from three in this series, and 20 for 35 is better than 50% from three-point range. That is pretty high. But you have to have the personnel, and the problem is other teams are trying to copy the Warriors. I don't look like I don't look at that as them ruining the league. That's a, that was a strategy. The Golden State Warriors drafted those guys. They had a plan in mind, and they executed it. Great drafting by them. And now everyone else is trying to do the same. But, like, those kinds of shooters just aren't laying around everywhere. No, yeah. they're not. But, again, also I think it's a little different, though, because of the way that the teams tried to copy the Warriors in the beginning, I think, versus trying to create a good analytic three-point system now is a little different. Because you, you saw teams try to do that. The Blazers did it with Lillard and McCollum. Washington did it with, with Bradley Beal and John Wall, these dynamic backcourts. Now, Wall wasn't a three-point shooter, but they still had that kind of system. The the Rockets did it with James Harden and then Chris Paul they tried to bring in, and then they tried to emulate that kind of backcourt the same way. They're and, all trying to do that but now. At, now the Knicks. But now really I, a shooter. Well, I know, but I'm saying these dynamic backcourts to create those opportunities. I mean, are you watching the Knicks in Miami series? I mean, every time Miami goes down, all they're doing is shooting threes. It's very rare. And the only person that really goes up for a layup is is out of bio. That's it. And once in a blue moon, you see Butler. There's not really a three-point shooter, but they've built their team the same way, but, right? Like, that's just yeah. how they built a team with 
with Max Struess, who's a who's a sniper, and I, a hero, obviously, with a broken hand is out, but he's the same way. Vincent's a pretty good three-point shooter. Kyle Lowry's a pretty good three-point shooter. That's how they've built their team. But that's what I'm saying. It, it, all, it all turns to that way when you look at the Golden State Warriors. Teams have emulated what the Golden State Warriors have changed in a league, and I think it's ruined the game of basketball. That's just my opinion. I, 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 it's not the same way, and I, and, and that's, that's another thing. That's been a complaint, not just for me, but uh, other analysts we've we've heard on on different shows, and even GMs have complained about the NBA and how the NBA has transformed into the way it is. I mean, but there's always there's always um, evolutions yes. to, to eras, yes. and this seems to be the three point era. There's a, and it'll transition out of it later. But I, you know, I mean, if you're, I mean, like here's the thing, dude. I'll give you the line straight out of. We Are Marshall. Great movie, by the way. Love if no one's seen yes. it, go Great watch movie. We Are Marshall. Yes. Right. I'll give you the Jack Langle line. Adapt or die. Hmm. Yes. Either, either figure it out or you're not going to be around. And if the Knicks aren't shooting three-pointers, adapt or die. It's probably why they're not excelling right now. They have the, the, the people to do it, Grimes and Hart and Brunson. They should be shooting more of them. Yeah, well, that's that's not them it's the coaching so and tom Thibodeau likes to you gotta you gotta like to put it in football terms you gotta look at the three-pointer like this right you gotta be able to run the football to be able to pass it right you draw people up to the line so you can throw it a little longer right or you gotta be you also gotta be able like works the other way you also gotta be able to pass it so the guys move back so you can run it right right if you, if you can't shoot the three, what do I have to do to play defense? Just surround the paint? Good luck. Right, and, that, and you bring up a good point, too, with that, because I think that's the one thing that a lot of these teams have not been able to do that the Warriors have still done so well, is they also move off the ball really well, too. You're talking about route running in football, like trying to create a route tree that's unpredictable. Like, Steph Curry moves so well off the ball, too, that he makes threes in unexpected spots, too, that are away from the set play, where it looks like the set play is going. Now, Klay Thompson hasn't been able to do that as well since his injury, but even with all of these teams building up three point shooting talent the way they've done it even whether it's a wing whether it's a guard they still haven't had all these other concepts yet a team like the suns for example that is getting smoked tonight like they have guys that are more than capable of shooting enough threes but they haven't been able to have these set plays the same way you're still seeing durant force shots devin booker he's not as much forcing shots but he's had his moments where that ends up being the case where they haven't done that the same way the warriors have in terms of movement passing and off ball movements Congratulations. Great example. Okay. I'll give you another great example of how that works, right? Because someone mentioned it in the chat that they said Horford's not shooting it great. Yeah, yeah not he's not. Right, yeah, he's not shooting it great, right? He can shoot it. He is a threat to make those shots. But more importantly than that, he, he's, he's getting wide open looks because Embiid has a choice to make. He's either going to come out and defend, which is going to open the paint for someone cutting, and right, because... The Tatum, he's six ten. It's a, it's an easy layup if they if they hit him on a cut, right? And and if Horford's knocking him down, it makes him be come out and guard him. You don't want a seven foot. I don't know, is he seven two? Whatever mm. he is, you don't want him beat in the lane. He's a shot blocking machine. Mm. So you want that guy to come out of the paint so you can then open that spot up so then you can make easier layups. Mm. Congratulations to the Carolina Hurricanes knocking off the Devils four games to one as they eliminate the Devils. The Devils now are eliminated. Uh, they move on. Carolina moves on. They're waiting for the winner of Florida and Toronto. It looks like it'll probably end uh, tomorrow uh, as Florida should move on. Greater New York area. All their playoff hopes are getting snuffed out, aren't they? And now Just Rangers, one last stop. 
And our Rangers, one last domino to fall. And our Rangers fans will get if it's a Florida Carolina Eastern Conference final, the battle of Brendan Smith versus Mark Stahl. Not a lot. And I mean, it's did you see? Did you see uh, who was at the game congratulating Jason Tatum afterwards? Yes, we saw Donovan New Mitchell. York Nick Great Donovan Mitchell. Could you stop? What is wrong with you? Maybe they'll be seen out eating cheesesteaks at Gino's. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they'll be doing. But we're not talking about that right now. We're done talking basketball. We're going into hockey. Uh, Florida uh, probably will knock off Toronto unless Toronto has one of those miraculous comebacks and win four games in a row, which has only been done, I think, in hockey one time. Mm-hmm. I don't see it happen. I think Florida, Bobrovsky. I'm sorry? Win three more now. Yeah, well, yeah, they I won think. the first one. They still have to win three more. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I, I think it's Toronto. Uh, I, I, I see Florida moving on. It'll be Florida and Carolina most likely. And and I, I, I believe the Krakens could win this series. I, I think they're down right now. By they were down three to two. Three to two with Dallas period. at the end of the second period. If Dallas wins, uh, it's put up a shut up for the Krakens in game number six. But uh, can, go ahead and try to tell me that the Toronto Maple. Hockey's Dallas Cowboys. I said that many times. <laughs> I agree with that. All their, it, all their idiot fans know how to do is run around and say how talented they are and how great they are. And oh, they're so all oh Austin Matthews, all the oh Mitch Marner, Nylander, all oh, love them. And then they get bounced every year. This is their last run. I expect them to make moves in the offseason and start taking apart that team. I just I can't see them going another year doing that. I, I know Matthews wants to go to Phoenix. Uh, I think he has one more year left on his contract. I think it's one. Uh, Speedy, what were we, what, when we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, I think it was one year left on that, at that extension. But uh, I believe Matthews will head to Phoenix uh, and head closer to home uh, whenever that happens. Or was, yeah, but that team would be unbeatable if they could ever find a competent goaltender. Yeah, I don't think that's possible. And Dude, for, the past three year, for the past three years, all they've had is goaltending that just gives up the softest goals on the planet. Mm. Well, that might be uh, mental as well. All the pressure in Toronto, because like you said. The, and their defense. Everything is, this is their year. Finally, their team like defense stinks. <laughs> their team defense stinks. And and in the playoffs, they prove that every single year. Um, Oilers and Vegas. This, this series is going to come down to who wants it more. I mean, Edmonton has the two players that everybody keeps talking about, Dreisaitl and, and McDavid. Dreisaitl, uh, it looks like... Um, if I'm not mistaken, Vegas is going to lose. Who's, who's their number one? Defender? Actually, both teams are going to lose. So Petrangelo is going to be suspended. is a bigger loss than I agree. I'm not denying that, but both, a huge loss. Yeah, Petrangelo, who's their best defenseman, is going to be suspended for the slashing call on Drysaddle, and and well, the Oilers are also going to be losing Darnell Nurse after an unnecessary. It's not a huge loss, for which Nurse. is still their best defenseman. It but doesn't. you're right, Petrangelo has more overall value. Yeah, it's huge when when Drysaddle. Fair trade. I'm sorry. That's so ridiculous. That's so ridiculous. What? What Petrangelo did is a thousand times worse than anything Darnell Nurse did, and and to see them get the same suspension is a tragedy. Absolute tragedy. No, no, you're right. It was, uh, Petrangelo could have gotten two games very easily with what he did. That was well, what, right. What, what Petrangelo? Yeah, exactly. What Darnell Nurse did was nothing. Right. It was absolutely a joke, and then they gave him a match penalty, so it's an automatic game suspension. If Darnell Nurse gets one, Petrangelo should get two or three. Right. Mm. I, I I do think that if Edmonton could come out a winner there, I think they ended in six games. I think they beat Vegas in six if they win next uh, tomorrow. 
I, I could see that happening. But uh, yeah, hockey is. It, it looks like it's it's coming down to the end. I, I mean, the the two Eastern Conference series looks like it's going to be a four one four one defeat for both those teams as Carolina moves on. It looks like Florida will move on with Toronto, and then it's really these these Western Conference are very very close. It's back and forth, and I I think whoever comes out of the West. It, it's going to be interesting. I would love to see the Krakens in Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup. That'd be two cool, yeah. two teams that I mean, the Florida Panthers were an expansion team in the nineties, uh, and then the Krakens are, are the newest expansion team. Yeah, one of their second year in the league. You know, and I would love to that see. That wouldn't be a good finals. That'd be a t- the better finals would be Florida and Edmonton. You want to see the best players play, the most exciting, and the goal scorers play. Like, who cares about the Kraken? Screw the Kraken. Terrible name too. Should have been the Seattle Sea Monsters. Terrible. Oh, I, I was going to go for Seattle I, Sasquatch. I wanted. I wanted the mascot. I wanted the Sasquatch. Is another great one. That would have yeah. been a great one. I would. I would have liked the Seattle Grunge because that's where Grunge Rock came from. That's what I would have liked to call them. But, no so. one cares about your trying to have your witty nicknames for the the Grunge. Shut up. Yeah, it's the that's Grunge. Terrible. It's that home of Grunge music. Yeah. That's Sasquatch where Sasquatch is better. The Sasquatch is better, no. and I think the Sea Monsters. I like Sea Monsters. That's like, a good one. I like the Grunge, Seattle Grunge. That's what I think. Uh, that, you're, trying that... To, you're trying to outthink yourself. No, I'm not. That's grunge you're trying to, you're grunge music comes from Seattle. All the great grunge bands come from Seattle. Well, I understand that. I understand that. But you're just trying to overthink it. You think you're brainier than Kurt Cobain's ceiling. Mm. Oh God! Shut up! You wow! Idiots. <laughs> you idiots! Um. Uh, we pretty much uh, told you guys what we thought about the NBA. So, are you ready for bracket wars? Let's let's Alrighty. let's slip that and then it's time for bracket 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 bracket. It's time for bracket wars. I wasn't ready there, Speedy, but okay. Uh, always trying to move faster than I speak, but um, we're gonna do bracket wars and then we'll finish up. Uh, there is one more thing I want to get into before the show, uh, the final show of the week. Um, and by the way, congratulations to my sister giving birth to my second niece of the family. She is healthy. My sister is healthy. So I'm I'm happy for that. That's for sure. All right. Let's go, Speedy. What do we got? All right. We'll start with the New York Islanders, the 5C moving on. They beat the number 4C Dallas Cowboys in the, in the 90s. They will be taking on the mid to late 90s Chicago Bulls. Okay. So... Uh, the number five seed, 1980 New York Islanders, 1980-81 season, 110 points. First in the Patrick division, uh, beat the Rangers, Oilers, and Maple Leafs in the playoffs and beat the North Stars in the Stanley Cup Finals. 1981-82 season, 118 points. First in the Patrick division, beat the Penguins, Rangers, and Nordiques in the playoffs and beat the Canucks in the Stanley Cup Finals. 1982-83 season, 96 points. Second in the Patrick Division, beat the Capitals, Rangers, and Bruins in the playoffs. Swept the Oilers in the Stanley Cup. Uh, 1983-84 season, 104 points. First in the Patrick Division, beat the Rangers, Canadians, and Capitals in the playoffs. Lost against Wayne Gretzky and the Stanley Cup champion Oilers. And 1984-85, 86 points. Third in the Patrick Division, beat the Capitals in the first round and lost against the Flyers in the second round. Key players, Mike Bossy, one of the greatest offensive players of all time. Brian Trottier, John Tonelli, uh, Dennis Potvin, Clark Gillies, Billy Smith, you name it. This uh, You have about seven or eight Hall of Famers on this one team. Yeah. One of the greatest hockey teams ever assembled. Yeah, one of the most homegrown teams. Like A lot of it was young teams talent all at once for this 
expansion Islanders teams. It wasn't a super team like you saw with these free agents that, are, that were brought in later on a lot of these uh, late 80s, early 90s dynasty type teams. This was all homegrown from the start and really changing the game for a lot of these expansion teams. In the early 70s, it kind of started building and then in the 80s, four cups in a row, which will never be duplicated again. The number one seed, Chicago Bulls from the mid and late 90s. 1993 and 94 season, 55 and 27. Reckless season record, third in the Eastern Conference, beat the Cavaliers in the first round and lost against the Knicks in the second round. 1994 95 season, 47 and 35 regular season record, fifth in the Eastern Conference, beat the Hornets in the first round and then lose against the Magic in the second round. 1985 96 season, 72 and 10 record, best record in NBA history until obviously Golden State breaks that, beats the Heat, the Knicks, and the Mavericks in the playoffs, and then beat the Supersonics in the NBA Finals. 96-97 season, 69-13 record, best in the NBA, beat the Bullets, Hawks, and Heat in the playoffs, and beat the Jazz in the NBA Finals. 97-98 season, 62-20 record, tied for the best in the NBA, beat the Nets, Hornets, Pacers in the playoffs, and then beat the Jazz in the NBA Finals. Key players, Phil Jackson, one of the greatest coaches of all time, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Steve Kerr, Tony Kukoc, and Ron Harper. Fantastic team. I believe the greatest basketball team of all time. A team without a flaw, either. They could do everything. They were as stifling of a defensive team as you can get. They could shoot the three when they needed to, like we were saying earlier. If like It wasn't part of the game, but if Michael Jordan had all the volume shooting threes, he could do it just as well, and probably a lot of those other guys could, too. Steve Kerr coming along later on that team, and also the international influence, too, with uh, with Tony Kukoc, one of the mm. first like prominent international players, too. A trendsetter for the time, and then and expanded into this era, too, where you're seeing a lot of these European-born players really dominate. This is really, really Really, really hard, especially yeah. the Islanders winning 16 games in a row. 16 games in a row. And then winning four Stanley Cups in a row. Arguably, I don't think we'll ever see a sports team ever do that again. But I'm going to go with the Chicago Bulls. I mean, the dominance of the Chicago Bulls from 93 on was just unbelievable. With guys like Dennis Rodman, Scottie Pippen, and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player. Scottie Pippen, one of the most underrated defensive players of all time. And Dennis Rodman, the best rebounder, one of the greatest blockers to ever play the game. I, like you said, no flaws. Is, I mean, that Chicago Bulls team, I hated them. But I, you can't take away their greatness. Yeah, I, I just... You could go back and forth with both of these teams, but I'm going to go with the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, it's tough not to. Even though the Islanders, again, were a great homegrown team, I just think the competition with the Bulls, too, was just too strong. They beat a lot of really good teams in that Eastern Conference between the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat and the Orlando Magic. Like you said, even some of those Cavs teams that carried over from the early 80s and the late and the uh, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, were still really good, even though they were getting older at that age. I think Phil Jackson still uh, thought of as the greatest coach in NBA history, and obviously he didn't do well with the Knicks, but he still did well with the Lakers after that, uh, coaching them too. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough draw for the Islanders, but that's what happens when you get close to the uh, Final Four mm. of Bracket Wars. So yeah, I'm going to go with the Bulls as well. So they will move on to the Final Four. And now our other matchup is another great basketball team, Pat Riley's Showtime LA Lakers, the five seed versus the number one seed, the 1990s, Corf 
84. New York Yankees. 1983-84 season. Well, first of all, it's core five. You, you forget about Bernie Williams. 54-28 and 28 record, number one seed in the Western Conference. Beat the Kings and the Mavericks and Suns in the playoffs. Lost against the Celtics in the NBA Finals. 1984-85 season, 62-20 and 20 record. Number one seed in the Western Conference. Beat the Suns, Trailblazers, and the Nuggets in the playoffs. And beat the Celtics in the NBA Finals. 1985-86, 62-20 record. Number one seed in the Western Conference. Lost against the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. 1986-87 and 87 season, 65-17 and 17 record. Number one seed in the Western Conference. Beat the Nuggets and Warriors in the Super and the Supersonics in the playoffs. And beat the Celtics in the NBA Finals. 1987-88 seasons, 62-20 and 20 record. Number one seed in the Western Conference. Beat the Spurs, Jazz, and Mavericks in the playoffs. And beat the Pistons in the NBA Finals. 1988-89 season, 57-25. and 25, Number one seed in the Western Conference. Got swept by the Pistons in the NBA Finals. And then in 1989-1990 season, 63-19 and 19 record. Number one seed in the Western Conference. Lost in the second round in the playoffs against the Suns. Key players, obviously Pat Riley, Hall of Fame coach and GM. Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Michael Cooper, A.C. Green, Byron Scott. Great basketball team. One of the best in that era. One of the greatest in any era. That Magic Johnson uh, unbelievable Lakers team. Yeah, you're probably talking about two top ten players all time, Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Even, even Kareem being older at that time, too, was still very good, transcendent of the sport. Both transcendent of their positions, too. Magic Johnson, a bigger point guard that could do a lot of different things. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, obviously, with the skyhook. We were talking about it yesterday. Just really good. And great depth across the board, too. A well-coached team by Pat Riley as well. Showtime Lakers showing why they're Showtime. Beat a lot of good Celtics teams in the NBA Finals, too. Number one seed in the 1990 New York Yankees. Um, 1985 season, shortened season, 79 and 65 record. Wildcard team lost against the Mar uh, Mariners in the ALDS. 1996 season, 92 and 70 record. Best record in the American League. Beat the Rangers and Orioles in the playoffs and beat the Braves in the World Series. 1997 season, they were 96 and 66 record. Second best in the American League. Lost to the Indians in the ALDS. 1998 season, 114 and 48 record. Best MLB record, one of the greatest records in, in MLB history. Beat the Rangers and Indians in the playoffs and beat the Padres in the World Series. 1999 season, 98-64 record. Best in the American League. Beat the Rangers and Red Sox in the playoffs and beat the uh, Braves in the World Series. 2000 season, 87-74 record. Fifth uh, best in the American League, beat the Athletics and Mariners in the playoffs, and beat the Mets in the World Series. In 2001 season, they were 95-65. and 65. Uh, Third best in the American League, beat the Athletics and Mariners in the playoffs, and lost against the Diamondbacks in the World Series. Key players in those, I mean, Derek Cheater, Jorge Posada, Bernie Williams, Andy Pettit, Roger Clements, Mariano Rivera, David Wells, Wade Boggs. You go up and down that roster of those champions, Jimmy Key, uh, th this roster was as good as any roster we saw in the 90s. This team was the, the really the team of the, dyna the, the dynasty of the 90s. They were, and there were a lot of good teams in the, the 90s, including those Bulls teams. So I am going to go with the Yankees. I, I, that's what I'm going with, I think. I, 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 not because I'm a Yankee fan. I mean, if you look at the Showtime Lakers, they were great. They were great. But they, you can argue that the Celtics were just as good as them or maybe even better. So there was nobody close to the Yankees in the 90s. Nobody. 
closer yeah. to the Yankees in the 90s. A very tough American League, too. I think it's very hard to not pick against that team that beat a lot of good uh, Indian teams at that time. The Mariners were that record-setting 116-win team. And they had a couple other 100-win seasons that year, th th those times, too. Ken Griffey Jr., obviously Edgar Martinez, all that talent that they had. And the Yankees still knocked them out. And the Yankees still did it a lot, even when they were faced under pressure, when they weren't yes. the top regular season team, either. And I think that has to say a lot. Bringing in a lot of new guys at the trade deadline, too. This wasn't the uh, heavy-spending Yankees, either, that you saw in the 2000s. Like the and never worked, 2000s. by the way, yeah. except in 2009. Right, when they brought in A-Rod and all those guys in 09 was the only time it worked. It wasn't that same level of spending the same way. They, Yeah, they got a free agent here and there. They had Roger Clemens, fine, but it wasn't the same they level. They traded for Roger Clemens. No, no, I know that, but, but it wasn't that same level where they're trying to just inflate the payroll and try to be everything like George Steinbrenner wanted to be when free agency first started. So I'm going to go with the Yankees as well, even though it is, I think it is a lot closer than people think. No, it, it is a lot, but I again, they the Lakers in the 80s, you can argue that the Celtics were better. And everybody keeps talking about Magic Johnson and how much better he was in, in that time than a lot of different players. Larry Bird, to me, was a better player than Magic Johnson. So I agree. I, I just I, I think those Celtic teams were just as good. And they had Red as their head coach over there, who I think is one of the greatest. One People don't forget. Everybody keeps talking about Phil Jackson and Pat Riley. People forget about Red. So yeah. I, I just... I, I, I can argue that the Celtics were just as good. And remember, those Detroit Piston teams in the late 80s, uh, early 90s were pretty damn good. And even the Chicago Bulls, even though they didn't win, they were really pretty good, too, at that time. So there was a lot of good teams in that yeah, time. Yeah, the Celtics, I think, were like the fifth team. Like, when I did the like, did four basketball yeah. teams, they were the one that just missed the cut. I almost picked them. The only so, reason yeah. why is, is – is, the only reason why I can argue that point is really the Celtics. Because I, I right. think the Celtics were just as good. And, and, and to say that they were so dominant, they weren't. So I, I just – they won. And three championships is not something to you know throw out there and say it's not good enough. But I think the Yankees were just the, – they were the dynasty of the 90s. There was no MLB team even close to them in the 90s. I don't think there was any team – close to them in any sport in the 90s. So, except the Bulls. Right. You can argue the Bulls. And and, and, and that's going to be an interesting... That's going to be a potential championship. Championship. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting challenge there because I, I remember I told you, those Bulls teams, I think that was the greatest... The three years, that was arguably the greatest basketball team to ever play. So you can go back and forth and argue. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be interesting. But, uh, Jeff, you still there? No, Jeff's gone. Uh, it, it's definitely interesting. It, it's uh, that's what I love about bracket wars, and 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 when you're you're trying to compare these teams, I, I, I can, you can go back and forth and argue those points. Now, as a, as a Yankee fan, I sit there and I I everybody knows I am not a Derek Jeter fan. I never was. No, I, I think Derek Jeter is a great shortstop. Do I think he's one of the top five shortstops to ever play the game? I don't. I could take. I would take five guys over him, especially Cal Ripken. So um, I look at, even with the old Yankees, uh, the shortstops in the old Yankee times, and I, everybody says Derek Jeter is the greatest shortstop to ever play for the, the Yankees. That's not true. So wasn't Rizzuto a shortstop? Yeah, and even the shortstops of the past, too. You could argue even somebody like Ernie Banks, too, like in the 60s with the Cubs, had over 500, close to 500 home runs for that time. is very impressive. So, <laughs> I mean, Ryan Sandberg was a pretty good Ryan shortstop. Sandberg, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was a lot. Ozzie Smith. Really good, yeah. You know, the Wizard of Oz. I mean, you could go up and down the great shortstops. And even, as a, as a matter of fact, Derek Cheetah wasn't even the best shortstop on the team. 
uh, in, you know, in the 2000s. It was A-Rod. Right. And we've had a lot of baseball guys that have come on the show and even mentioned that with, uh, like, Derek Jeter's, like, defense is sometimes, like, overhyped yeah. more than it should be. I mean, so. Nomar Garcia-Pera was a better defensive player than Eric, right. uh, Derek Jeter. Right, of course. Jeter, and yeah. so was Alex Rodriguez. Definitely. So, and I'm not taking shots at Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was a fantastic defensive player. We, we saw... If Derek, the most clutch player out of all of them was Derek Jeter. It wasn't a, even when it comes to his defense, he was more clutch than any one of those guys. I mean, sure. the, the things that Derek Jeter did on the did in the field in the playoffs, I don't think any shortstop we've ever seen do. But I, I just think all around defense and all around offense, I would say Derek Jeter is not in the top five. Well, it time. looks like Jeff has returned. Jeff, what's up? He was a second baseman. I know, but when he came into the league, he was a shortstop. So, uh, Satan, Omar, and A Rod mm-hmm. were on par with Jeter, I think, is is craziness. Why? Right? And, I, and I'll just say, because Jeter did it clean. Omar was as roided up as they could be, and so was A Rod. First of all, clean or not clean, uh, as a defensive player, you're either a good defensive player or you're not, okay? And Alex Rodriguez was a. Best offensive player in that era was either Omar Vizquel or who was the other Roy monster that played uh, great defense for Baltimore? That was like Miguel um, Tahada. Tahada, yeah. Tahada, Tahada. Yeah, was that's it. I was going to say was, wasn't better than Alex. Alex Rodriguez won seven Gold Gloves, seven before he came to the Yankees. Yeah. Out of the, like the nine years he was a shortstop, he won seven out of the nine. So. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm going to go with Alex Rodriguez, and he was the best defensive Destroyed player. Destroyed it up. Uh, whatever. Roid doesn't help you defend. Okay, it, it's he was it a, helps you get to the ball quicker because uh, you can run faster. First of all, it's reflexes playing shortstop. It's not running after the ball. It's and, reflexes. And, 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 right. And, and what helps that? Steroids. Steroids quick, doesn't help quick, reflexes. Quick, quick, quick twitch fiber. Sure does. Oh, stop, Jeff. Stop. And if you're stronger, you can run faster. You, you, you get to the ball. Yeah, you, you, for some reason, you just can't stand there, uh, Alex Rodriguez. And if you're stronger, you can make those long throws all the way across the diamond and get people out. Mm. Right? Like, that's what it is. Throwing strength. Yeah, but whatever. But, yeah, but that is a factor in the range factor of an individual player. I, honestly, Alex Rodriguez. Right, listen, I'm, listen, I'm with you that I think Jeter – look, I because I'm going to say this and everyone's going to get mad, but – I think Jeter was overrated. Was he great? Sure, he was great. Like, yes, but I think he, I think his performance was overblown because he played in New York. If he played in Seattle, people just would have been like, "Oh, he's a nice shortstop." Yeah, there have been people that have said that. Yeah, so, I'm one of them. Yeah, I, I, there were players even that were commenting on that. Like, if Derek Jeter ended up in Oakland or something, he wouldn't have been thought of the same way in the same light as a whole, mm-hmm. as an icon. Yeah, which is definitely true to an extent. But I, yeah, even some of the baseball guests we've had on too. The uh, the sabermetric guys have even mentioned like Derek Jeter's some of his advanced statistics defensively are just average at best too. Like yeah, he had big throws, make some clutch plays, but like as a larger sample, it hasn't been the same in comparison. To, like we were talking about Ozzy Smith, Omar Vizquel, guys like that that are thought of as way better defensive shortstops. Yeah, uh, uh, Ozzy Smith. Ozzy Smith was a tremendous defensive player, right? Yeah. But like, absolutely, but. Yeah, but Viscell was better. Viscell was. They called him what they called him, the wizard. You know what I'm saying? Ozzie like Smith, yeah, he was the boss. Yeah, but oh, he was no, beating but, women. It, it, he was I beating think, women, and and Omar Viscell is never going to go into the Hall of Fame. That doesn't matter in your book. Well, roll this Chapman shot a gun at a woman. You still like them? What do you hold on one second? I never liked the role as Chapman. Never did, and I didn't want the Yankees to bring him in. You you just 
You know what it is with you, Jeff, is because they're Yankees, you think I like them. It, it's not true. That's not true. I just called Derek Jeter great. How I, is that, how I, is that I, I don't I don't think Derek Jeter is as good as you make him out to be. He was a great clutch player. I just said I just said I think that people would just call him a nice shortstop if he played anywhere by else. The like, way, the- by the way, I just want to announce this. Congratulations to Derek Jeter on his firstborn son. Because uh, his his wife just gave birth to the, they said that she would never give birth again after all the stuff that she dealt with after their third baby, but uh, she just gave birth to their fourth kid, which is a son. So congratulations to the Jeter family. So just wanted to add that. Tatum will still stuff him in a locker. I'm sorry. Tatum will still stuff him in a locker. Jesus. No, but I, I mean, I I think Alex Rodriguez was. <laughs> To me, at that in that era, he was the greatest shortstop in the in the league, and and I understand he did steroids and whatever you want to point fingers at what he did and stuff like that. But his defensive skills you can't, you can't hype up. You can't let dude. You can't do that. You can't like you gotta. You, my biggest thing with you all the time is just consistency. Mm-hmm. You can't go after other people, certain people for using steroids, and not paint those other people. Hold, hold on, Speedy. Speedy, do I not tell you that steroids should be allowed in every single sport, but it's combat sports? I've argued this forever, forever. Okay, so Jeff, for you to tell me that oh, I I point fingers on steroids, I think. That every athlete should be able to use steroids if it helps them heal and it gets them and has them playing on the uh, on the court as much as they get paid. So you're wrong. The only thing that they should not they should not in, in professional sports use steroids in is combat sports because you could kill somebody doing it. That is it. Speedy, am I right? Have I ever said that you shouldn't be able to use steroids? Yeah. I've always said that players should be yeah, allowed. But you're, to use you're forever knocked on David Ortiz. Was he doesn't deserve? To be I'm just. He can, I think he said. In comparison to others. A comparison to others. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Why is David Ortiz there and Barry Bonds isn't? That's all I was saying. Because 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 first of all, Barry Bonds was caught and David Ortiz wasn't. Uh, first of all, David Ortiz was, and Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds was hated by the writers, and that's why he's not there. And Barry Bonds, before he even did steroids, he had 400 home runs and 400 stolen bases. He was thin as a rail until he went to San Francisco. He looked like a... He's like the Brooke Lopez kind of baseball, where like Brooke Lopez has had two careers. Barry Bonds has had two careers. 100%. His Pittsburgh Pirate, his Pittsburgh Pirate years were fantastic. remarkable. He was fantastic. He was... By the way, that Pittsburgh Pirates team, fantastic. seriously, one of the like, greatest. honestly, one of the most underrated teams on the... And they didn't win. Mm-hmm. Dude, Andy Van Slyke, awesome. Bobby, Bobby Bonian, Bonian. Yeah. Right? They also had one of my favorite pitchers of that time, too. I loved Doug Drayback. No, Doug Drayback. I remember Doug. And then he went to the Blue Jays, I think Drayback played for. He went all over Drayback at the end of his career, but he was all over Minnesota, too, for a little while. But he, he, he fought a lot of that little, little fat uh, toad of a third baseman, too. What was that dude's name? Uh... I I'll look up 92 Pirates. That, that Pirates that team. team was good. For for like four years, that Pirate team was as good as I think team. it was the same third baseman that played third baseman for the Braves, too, mm-hmm. later. And, and how about the Kansas City Royals of those years, too? I mean, where George Bretton. I mean, that Kansas City Royals team was pretty damn good. And Baltimore, too. In the in the they late had a couple 80s of players, though. Uh, the the third baseman, Jeff, was see, uh, Steve Bouchelle. Is that what you're thinking of? No, it was like a little fat little dude that ran weird. Okay. And they also had that tall, goofy. Oh no, that was the Braves. They had the, the tall, goofy guy, Beam. Mm. I, I, I listen. I remember those Pittsburgh Pirates teams. 
Actually, one of the who was the other guy that came for went to the Mets from the Pittsburgh Pirates? Um, Alfield Coleman was it Coleman? Did he play for the Pirates? Or was um, it Cardinals? Coleman was a, Coleman was a Cardinal. Oh, Cardinals! Yeah. He was, was Cardinals. Keith Hernandez's yes. best friend. Yes. He always references that. It was the Cardinals. That's right. Yeah, but, yeah. Vince Coleman was probably after Ricky remarkable. Henderson the next best stolen base guy at that era. Mm. Think about how awesome that Cardinals team was too. Vince yeah. Coleman, Willie McGee, mm-hmm. uh, Ozzie Smith. Like, dude, they had a lot of good players themselves. That Cincinnati team in the late 80s, early 90s was pretty damn good, too. Yeah. So <laughs> I, They were pretty good. I mean, I remember when Paul O'Neill won a championship with that. That was the, the end of, uh, you know, the Pete Rose era, you know. So right. I remember that, too. So the, I see the, Sabo all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you? All the time. Yeah, he lives, down, he lives in Brayton. I know his daughter fairly well, too, Annie. Mm. And then Annie Annie's married to... Um, Dude, what's that? Uh, you'll, you'll know Kevin Roy in about a year or two. Mm. Well, Kevin's a professional golfer. Mm-hmm. It's it, baseball at that time. There were so many good teams that never won. There were so many good teams that never won. Because it was right because they only allowed two teams in the playoffs. You right. either won the East or won the West. And there was, that was no all wild was. card. Yep. Right. There's no wild card until the mid nineties. Yeah. And I, that's, but I think that opens up baseball. And I know a lot of people say, well, if you don't win your division, you shouldn't even make it. And I, I, I there are some arguments to it, but I think it, it opens up the game where you can see a wild card team actually win a championship. And we've seen that a couple of times. So mm-hmm. that's something you want to see and it opens up the game. I think that that's something I agree with, but there are things, could you imagine how many teams that if there were wild cards in the eighties, I, I mean, how many teams like the Yankees? How many times could right, the Yankees? So there's tons of hundred win teams yeah, that didn't make it. That never made it. Those old Tigers teams. Those like Tigers. In and those, yeah. yeah, Cecil Fielder. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Even those Mets teams, you know. So even in the eighties, in the Mets. the Mets. I'm just saying, Jeff. You brought up the Reds too. I think there was a the '81 season. I think there was a shortened season or something like that that year, or like a partial lockout, and like they they missed the playoffs on some kind of technicality, and the Dodgers ended up getting in in the National League instead of they ended up winning the World Series with Oral Hershey. They, they the, the Reds had one of the like most amazing pitching staffs back then with. Um... Uh, Jose Rijo mm-hmm. and uh, racist prick Rob Dibble. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was a real like nickname, racist prick. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I mean, he is. Mm-hmm. Do you like? Do you, Do you remember when he went nuts and someone had? I forget it. But it was like a swing or if it was a bunt, but like the ball like rolled down the first base line and Rob Dibble picked it up and fired it into the dude's back. I, didn't I, even I, try to make the play, wow. just threw the ball at the Damn. dude. Speedy wasn't even thought of, but I, I, I do remember something. I, it's so long ago, man. So much stuff has happened over the years. And I was a big baseball fan. Growing up, I mean, that was like, baseball was like my first like sport that I followed when I was like, starting when I was five years old, following the Yankees and Don Mattingly and all that other stuff. So I, I watched baseball religiously. You know, I, it just so much happened in baseball and how, how baseball completely changed from, you know, every five years, something changed, not the rules, but the way the game, the, the way everything settled. And, and there were so many good teams, like I said, that should have, you know, could have won. I mean, we, we named Pittsburgh being one of them. Cincinnati was good. The Royals were good. Oh, uh, the Orioles were good. Um, it, it, the... Uh, the Dodgers were always good in that time. They were always good in that time. Orlando Valenzuela Dodgers, they were very good. 
Yes, the Angels. Remember that? The Angels at that time? I mean... Dude, dude forget all of those teams. The Athletics with Dave Ath- Henderson. Oh, yeah. And Rick, oh, yeah. Dave, Dave Henderson, Ricky Henderson, mm-hmm. Eckersley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Like, they had low... The A's had a stack. Oh, the A's in that time were, honestly, if you look at that team, and even when... Remember Mark McGuire's rookie season, he had 50 home runs. I That, that team, that team from... 85 to 91, arguably one of the greatest baseball teams to ever, you know, win a World Series. They won one World Series. But, they made three in a row. Yes. Lost the other two. Yeah. But the, the the players they had on that team was absolutely, and that's where Danny Tarnable was. He, he, was, a, he was an A before he went to the Yankees. He played for the, the A's, and then I think he played for Kansas City, and then he went, he went to the Yankees. So and, and they had the uh, they had the world the uh, the earthquake world series yes. yeah eighty nine mm-hmm. they did a thirty for thirty for that stuff. yeah I remember that good stuff back then and it was crazy too because it was literally like uh, it was honestly like two different like it was like major league baseball versus Japanese baseball basically with the American and National League because the American League was all power hitters and mm-hmm. and dudes like that. And the National League was all people that would like bunt and manufacture runs and steal bases and do that kind of stuff. It was mm-hmm. crazy. Right. Yeah, I miss that time. I really do. And now the game has changed. I mean it, it, it and that's that's the way sports is. I hopefully you know, when you look at the game and, and the transition of the game with the pitch clock. By the way, I was at the Mets game the other day, and uh, that uh, I I was at the Mets game, and we we had pretty good seats. And I was sitting there, and I was watching the pitch clock. I if I was a if I was a pitcher, I would actually like that. If I was a hitter, I wouldn't. I would not like the pitch clock because I I got to get into the box as quick as I can, set my feet, and then. When the pitcher throws, you're you know you it gives you time to kind of guess where the ball is going to go. I I don't think you have enough time anymore to do that. I think it hurts. It helps the pitcher. It hurts the the hitter. That's what Ben Heller was saying too. So. Yeah, no, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. True at all because they're playing they're playing games with it. I like the new rule because it does speed things up. It does. But there's a way. But there's a way you can manipulate it. To, that it's an offensive advantage, right? Because you have to be in the box with eight seconds looking at the picture, mm. right? So I can stand out of the box, get in there and look at it with eight seconds left. Right. And then the pitcher and then the pitcher has to like get a signal and get ready to throw. And he's only got a limited amount of time to do that. It gives a massive advantage now to base stealers. Base stealers don't have to worry about nothing. Mm. It's like a, it's like waiting for the starting pistol. Right? Like you oh. can just take off and run because there's only a limited amount Throwovers that you get yeah, out of space. Only two. Right. So if if pitchers were to burn one, and then you're playing the game, then what happens? Mm. You you can take as big a lead as you want and run whenever you want, and you know it's coming because the pitcher can uh, the batter can manipulate the time. Right. Yeah, and a lot of players have been able to like really strive off of that where you're getting close to 20 stolen base pace already. Look at look at somebody like Ronald Acuna the year he's had. He's probably back to his MVP form because he has almost 20 stolen bases and is hitting all those home Ronald runs. Acuna, the only reason why Acuna's had a problem in the last couple of years is Injury, because yeah. he can't stay healthy in his legs. Everything comes from his legs, from his waist down. The guy, the way he swings, a lot of players, they use, they like to pull
pull the ball. They use their upper body to pull the ball. Ronald Acuna, everything, his swing comes from like the lower part of his body. It, it comes from his hips, and he just hasn't had that power over the last couple of years. Now Ronald Acuna, I, he, I think he was my guy I picked for MVP this year. I, I, I think Ronald Acuna is going to have that year from the National League. I think in the American League, I still think it's going to Vlad be Jr. It's Vlad yeah. Jr. Uh, but I just think I'll give you another rule that I don't like is the bigger bases. Why is that? I don't like it because no one's going to ever get caught stealing this year. You like base runners now have to run two less feet. And while that doesn't seem like a big gap, people were already stealing bases, giving that two By feet. Clip, now you're giving that, and now you're giving that two feet to the runners. Mm. Like that's the difference between you know, probably I would say 40, 50% more safe calls than outs. Yeah. People have been complaining about that too. Mm -hmm. They've been complaining. Individually. It'll be like that probably in terms of team stats. It'll probably be a little lower collectively based on how much teams actually steal. Cause they're still stealing less in terms of other eras, but yeah, they're definitely still doing more because of the bigger base. Oh, it's so. way up this year. Because, right. Because the new rules. Year, right. Yeah, no, no, of course. In comparison yeah, to other right, sabermetric eras. Yeah. But think about why that is. Why do you think it's so much higher up? Because they have to run two less feet. Do the Red Sox have a dude on their team? Now we'll see how much he plays, but they have a dude on their team named Jaron Duran. Yes. I would be willing to bet you. Jaron Duran never gets caught stealing this year, ever. Hmm. That fast and two feet. It doesn't sound like a long distance, but it, on the base paths, it is. Interesting. You're giving them that two feet, and then if the batter can manipulate the time, so then the base runner also knows that the pitcher has to throw the ball and not be able to hold it and freeze them, dude, forget about it. By the way, it looks like Phoenix is going to be eliminated in two minutes. As it looks like Denver. Only big time players show up in, in big time game sixes. Mm. Game sixes. One big time player didn't show up. Another one. I feel he bad. He might have been late, but I, he showed up. I feel bad for Phoenix. I do because they can't stay healthy. And it would have been. I think the series would have been different with Chris Paul. I do. I think it would have been closer to Aiton. Aiton missed tonight too. Aiton was hurt, so yeah. they, they ruled yeah. him out. Yeah, I, it's it's a shame. It is, but whatever. It is what it is. So sad for Phoenix. I feel terrible for them. Listen, this is Denver's year. This is a team that's been good. I, I feel bad for Jokic the last two years with Murray and Porter. Now they finally at full strength. They have a pretty good bench. I mean, they're very well coached. I mean, this could be the year that they win a championship. All those years with Carmelo Anthony and, and Cha- Cha- Chauncey Billups and Allen Iverson, everybody thought they had the best chance to win in those times. I think this is their best team, and I think Jokic is going to go down as the greatest player to ever come out of Denver. He really is special. He really, really is. Jeff, thank you for calling, bud. Pleasure. Go green. We love the Celtics. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Defensive Player of the Year, Mark Smart, Sixth Man of the Year, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. They're going to show up big in Game Seven. They're going to show up big, Earl. You'll see. There you go. Uh, as he uses Earl to piss me off, and uh, congratulations to the Celtics on winning. Um, as they uh, look like they're going to a Game Seven, maybe the Knicks could do that and pull that off and we can see another game seven i don't think that's going to happen but uh maybe uh you know you pray and hope for the best uh the celtics actually showed up in the fourth quarter 
and they knocked off a team that they should be beating. Okay, that's what I think. The 76ers, James Harden is an overrated player that tosses up threes. I mean, he stinks, okay? That's just my opinion. Yep, most overrated superstar in any sport. I mean, and, and the fact that my friend, yes, my friend Eric Coleman, had <laughs> the audacity to put the same name together with Allen Iverson and James Harden is disgusting, okay? Because he has not anything close to an Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson played with nothing and took a team, a 76er team, to the finals, not once, but twice, with guys like Eric Snow, Eric Coleman, guys that stunk, okay? They weren't – Derek Coleman was washed up ever since he left the Nets when he was actually a half-decent player. They had nobody over there, and Allen Iverson took that team twice to a championship. They didn't win, um, and it's a shame because Allen Iverson was a fantastic talent. He really was, but uh, I think the greatest overall – Ball handler we have ever seen come out of the NBA. He, 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 you can argue Kyrie Irving, but and he he said Kyrie Irving's just as good, but I think Allen Iverson's just trying to be nice. Al, Al, Allen Iverson's the greatest ball handler because he does it on a round earth, and Kyrie Irving does it on a flat earth. Yeah, well, both players didn't shut the hell up. I mean, one doesn't like to practice; the other one likes to run his own practices. So I, I mean, and run his mouth, eh, and uh, stupid. Yeah, uh, that's all I'm gonna say. Anyways, uh, great show. Uh, thank you to Andre Dawkins for joining us, Duke national champion. Uh, we had a lot of fun with him. Yes. I hope he enjoyed himself. Uh, uh, Jarrell Worthy, fantastic as always, talking little Aaron Rodgers, talking about the Green Bay Packers, the Jets, and all over the AFC. Uh, I'm looking forward. Reach out to him. Let's set something up. I, I, I'd, I'd fly to Georgia if if we could set something up. I do play by. We could do play by play for them and, and have a little bit of fun with them. I, I think. Be nice to meet Jarrell and 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 see what they're doing out there in Georgia for for a weekend. We should do a weekend over there. That'll be fun. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, congratulations to my sister yes. uh, uh, for her fourth child. Uh, she did lose a child last year, which has been very very hard for me, our family, uh, to bring in Eliana, uh, who is fantastic. She's a beautiful beautiful baby, and my sister's healthy. I'm I'm happy. Uh, um, rest in peace to your fa- your grandfather you. uh, passing away. Uh, a great guy, great person, great human being. Uh, it's sad. It's it's been a sad couple of days and a happy couple of days. It's just it's all back and forth. Uh, this is the way the world works, man. It's it's crazy. Um, uh, weekend crunch. Uh, we will be live at seven p.m. on Saturday night on one hundred three point nine FM. If you live in the island or on the island, uh, if not, you can go and listen to us. On iHeartRadio, LI News. Check us out. Uh, it's 103.9 FM here on Long Island. Uh, it's going to be a great one. I can tell you that. We'll be back on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Any uh, plans next week? Yeah, we actually have two uh, two hockey guys. One returning hockey guy and a new guy. So at 7.30, we'll have Cam Jansen, ex-Devils forward, also played for the Blues. And now is a, he, has a, he has a show. He has a, I think he does some studio analysis for them I as well. Jensen. He'll be coming out at 7.30. And then time's still to be determined, but we're going to have him back on the show. We had him on about three years ago. Uh, Rob Ray will be joining us again. Oh, I love point. Rob. Yes, Rob was awesome the last time we had Rob him. Rob is awesome. Yes. Uh, he, he wrote a book. He's been on a couple of documentaries. Uh, he was an enforcer, one of the better enforcers of all, of all time. You want to talk about enforcers. Rob Ray was as mean as they get on the Buffalo Sabres. He really was. Uh, and he had a pretty illustrious career. He really was. Uh, when we talk about the enforcers, I don't think there's enough of them anymore. And 
it, it's I believe uh, it's something that has been lost for the NHL over the last couple of years. So I'm um, looking to get Rob. We haven't talked to Rob in over two no, years. That's it. That's since COVID. Yeah, it's been two like years. Right around COVID that, when so, it first started. So, Rob, uh, hopefully we can get Chris Childs. I know uh, a lot of fans wanted to hear Chris. Yeah, he said he was having some other technical difficulties. We'll definitely get him coordinated. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, he, so he did write to you. He, wrote, he emailed me back today, earlier today. So, yeah, he, he, he will be rescheduled at some point. Maybe next week on Thursday or the following Wednesday. We'll find out. But, oh, yeah, he, he did finally write back. Oh, awesome. So we'll have Chris Childs. I know everybody was upset about that so Chris Childs will be joining us in the next week or two so congratulations to Speedy on that uh, talk a little basketball hopefully the Knicks you know move on and then he's jumping for joy maybe uh, James Dolan invites him to the games <laughs> I mean uh, he invited everybody but Charles Oakley so thank you uh, again thank you to all the fans that listen to us throughout the country we love you keep listening to us uh, we will be back next week weekend crunch baby Saturday Good night. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.